0: this is winnipeg sports talk daily with andrew hustler patterson and michael remus
1: hey what's up everybody welcome to another edition of winnipeg sports talk daily <laughs> we got a lot to get to uh as much as it's gonna heart be hard for me to concentrate on Everything else knowing about this football game tonight. Chiefs, chargers to kick off week two. Oh my god, it's gonna be a beauty. Dusty Nielsen and I just finished up the lock shop today discussing uh the uh, the TNF game. So uh, wherever you get your podcast, you can pop onto social media and check that out if you like. And we've got a nice uh nice little parley we put together with our friends at Cool Bet for our Cool Bet lines a little bit later on. Uh but wow, we've got a lot to get to now. If it wasn't for Jets' camp, rookie camp, and the, the trip out to Penticton and the big news on Roger Federer today, uh, Remo and I could have probably done a full show basically a la the warm up back from our prior days because there was a chess controversy I discussed on Twitter last night and one of the all time self owned self ratio self-cancellations in social media history as well. We will get to that a little bit later on. Uh, But we're going to talk Jets. Brandon is going to jump on the program. And we're going to hear from a number of the young members of the organization that spoke for the first time in the last 24 hours, including Chaz Lucius and Brad Lambert, as well as Cole Perfetti and Mark Morrison. So we'll have that for you coming up in the first part of the program. And then we'll kick it around with Wicke a little bit later on in the show. We're also going to talk about the legend himself Roger Federer who announced today that he'll be playing the labor cup and then that is it for his professional playing days um and we're certainly going to get to that and the why not question of the day in just a minute as well uh but as always First things first, we've got to thank the sponsors that make this show happen because we're not here if they're not behind us. And all you great Winnipeg Sports Talk listeners and viewers aren't supporting them. Of course, our betting partner at CoolBet, Princess Auto and Not AutoCorp. Corp, Consolidated Supply, Vita Health, Wallace & Wallace, Culligan Water, Royal Sports, F Apparel, Boston Pizza, Aikens Lake, Canadian Club Whiskey, Breezy Bend, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, the Great Taste of Little Brown Jug, and our friends at Assiniboia Down. So uh, lots to get to today on the program. Let's get Michael Remus in here and uh, get this show on the road. While we welcome everyone joining us live on YouTube, make sure, uh, especially if you're watching after the fact, make sure you've subscribed to the channel, hit that red subscribe button, and uh, if you're able to, join us daily when we're live at one. And if not... Just check your feed as soon as you are able to, and the freshest, latest WST content will be there. And, of course,
2: subscribe on the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Just search Winnipeg Sports Talk. Remus, what's going on? I'm here just counting down. I don't know if I'm counting down to what. It could be this awesome, you know, game we're going to see tonight on Thursday night. It's on TSN in Canada. I know there's going to be a lot of people in the U.S. trying to figure out where they can watch it. It's on streaming only. On Amazon Prime, we're in the era of sports where you got to have like million channels to watch every game. It's getting stupid out there. But also the Jets uh, Jets young stars, this is exciting. on the ice. spoke to the media yesterday. We have some clips from players. They're going to be wearing jerseys, uh, playing games against rival teams. We had our first media scrums yesterday. line rushes. like I could barely get a sentence out. I've calmed down. I'm ready for this. I mean, it's it's on YouTube. The game Friday night, so the links to all the games are in the description of this video. um, If you're having trouble finding finding them uh, on the Jets channel, but um, we're we're counting we're close to regular training camp, so this is kind of like the opener.
1: Yeah, it, it, indeed, and uh, you know it'll be interesting. We're going to hear from uh, the uh, young members of the Jets in just a minute, um, and talk a little bit more about what's to come over the next few days out in Penticton. And Brandon is going to join us later on. Mo Kahn as well in Montreal later on in the program. We'll get Mo's take on a uh, little NFL, little CFL as well heading into the weekend. Um, listen, I want to get to our "Why Not?" question of the day right now, Remo, and um, we will have John Horn join us in in a, in a little bit to discuss the um, retirement announcement of the great Roger Federer. And I think just, I mean, I am a huge Roger Federer fan, and he is a guy that completely transcended the sport. Um, When you think about the greatest athletes of the past couple generations, Roger Federer is certainly up there. And as we'll talk with John, I mean, what's been incredible about this golden age of men's tennis is that you have arguably the three greatest players of all time, all playing within the same era. Uh, with Federer, with Nadal, and with Djokovic, who's a little bit younger and will have more time to win more Grand Slams and potentially break all the records. Uh, but right now, it's been there. But what it, it's been about Roger Federer for me is the person that he is. The uh, I mean, he really, you know, the the Queen passed away last week, and there's been a lot of talk about royalty and you know a period of mourning. Roger Federer wasn't just tennis royalty, but he was sports royalty. And he was one of the true gentlemen uh, and, and greatest people in in all of sports. So it's just a huge loss for the sporting world. Um, but, you know, thinking now that he's 41 years old and how much we've got a chance to see him play, it really is incredible that, you know, the, uh, how long he has lasted up until this point. So why not question of the day today and answer in the comments Uh, Is Roger Federer the greatest male tennis player of all time? I won't say tennis player because, uh, you know, of course, Serena Williams on the other side uh, is right up there with her 19 Grand Slams. Um, But I'm interested to hear people's thoughts on that. And where does Roger Federer rank among the most iconic athletes of the last 50 years? I mean, to me, he's right up there with the Tiger Woodses of the uh, of the world. Um, so get that into the chat. And again, if you're watching afterwards, you can always answer the why not question of the day in the comments on the YouTube page. Um, but we'll talk about that later on with John coming up in 20 or 25 minutes before we get back to the Jets with Rewiki. Uh But Reem, before we hear from and speak about the young stars, um, some awesome feedback from yesterday's program on our why not question of the day talking about a potential jesse play trade and you know it was a great sports talk um topic because you had very very strong opinions and very hot takes on both sides um there was a number of people that said they would do a jesse play for logan stanley or logan stanley in a lower round pick trade in a heartbeat and then the Logan Stanley fan club entered the chat and, you know, they might not be as vocal, um, you know, on social media all the time, but there's a lot of people that are big believers in the big defensemen and want no part of a trade of Logan Stanley, despite the logjam on the jet blue line right now.
2: Yeah. I think we can all agree that it's pretty clear. The jets have too many NHL defensemen. They have a lack of depth at forward. They need to make a trade here. You know, you t- go from the surplus and help where you have a deficit. But no matter what defenseman we give up, you say in a trade, you know, there's going to be people out there that say, don't trade that guy. We've said, trade Dylan. Oh, you can't trade Dylan. He's the only tough guy. You gotta Trade Stanley. Uh, you can't trade Stanley. You know, he's going to be the people, you know, he's six foot seven or whatever, whatever it is. You can't trade Hanel. Oh, no, he's a young prospect. Got to give him time. Uh, trade, you know, whoever. So, you know, you're going to have people. Upset, but I think it's pretty clear. So we th- you threw out uh, trade Stanley and for arvey I think it kind of fits with what the Oilers want to do: shed salary while also adding a defenseman. You throw in a pick as well, and it helps the Jets. The Jets so might we-
1: not even have to do that. Like just I, I just finished the lock shop, and I was hoping to have Dusty on the program today to kick this around. Uh, but he's got a flight out to Regina to call the uh, the game tomorrow. But I said to him off air. So I basically just reset it and I'll reset it for anyone that missed the show yesterday. Um, that missed the show yesterday. Sorry, one sec. Yeah, that was you. I was figuring, I thought I might've left something open. Um, so Jesse Poyarvi is reportedly available and the Edmonton Oilers are looking to move him and doing it for a pick because they need some cap relief. Well, the Winnipeg Jets need a forward or would certainly like to boost their forward group. I would imagine um and they've got this log jam on defense now you're not able to make any of those trades for any of the veterans because it would be I mean even if it's a player like Dylan DeMello it would be money and money out for Edmonton and that doesn't solve their problems it just gives them more of a log jam on the blue line and doesn't change what their salary cap commitment is but Pujarvi is at three million dollars and he's an RFA with arbitration at the end of this season Logan Stanley is on a $900,000 contract. So that trade would essentially add $2.1 million to the Jets cap and would save the Edmonton Oilers $2.1 million. Um, at right now, from what I'm hearing, the Oilers will move Puyarvi for a pick. I think that, you know, certainly talking to Dusty, if they could get a second rounder, I think they would jump at that. Um I'd argue that the value of Logan Stanley is certainly more than a, than a second rounder right now. Um, I think there are people in the league that still believe that he can be a long-term regular in the National Hockey League. And that certainly has value, especially at less than a million dollars. So I, I, I opposed this to Marat yesterday on the program, Is that who says no? I said it to Dustin off air today, as I mentioned, and he's very tied in with the Oilers. I said, okay, pull Pugliarvi to Winnipeg, $3 million out, Logan Stanley and maybe, maybe a supplementary lower round pick if need be. Do the Oilers, like who says no? And he said, well, I don't think the Oilers say no to that. Now, again, they don't necessarily need Stanley and he doesn't project to be right into that lineup. He'd probably be in the mix for, you know, that third pairing or potentially in the press box. But it does save them on that salary cap number. And I was interested that he said that, Reem, because I kind of thought that maybe there would be um, a a hesitancy to do it. And listen, Dusty's like maybe the biggest Plyarvi backer in all of northern Alberta. Um, But the fact of the matter is the Oilers are in a predicament, much like the Jets are in a predicament. And the more I think about a trade like that, it kind of makes sense to me.
2: Yeah, I'll just go through some of the comments here. The Colt says, A hard pass on Pooley And then Mike L. went kind of nuts in the comments. He says, Logan better stay. Get rid of Pionk. You guys are drunk. They need big defensemen. <laughs> uh, Mike L. And then we had... There is there is the the Jets need big defensemen uh, lobby.
1: That is always, always around in the comments when, uh, when anyone w- mentions Logan Stanley
2: on either side of things. Yeah, there was one... Other guy who wrote in all capitals, but I couldn't see it there. I texted it to you. Oh, not... Pavari. Yeah, yeah, Pavari. He was an angry member of the big The guy deleted it, it, I think. I think he deleted it. Oh, oh really? no, here. Sorry, this is the one. In all capital.
3: They it, should it, not trade... Is it Tico Napoli?
2: No, Chance Baker. They should not trade Stanley. They should bury the three old defensemen that suck in the minors. We don't need Pavari. We have... A million young prospects on forward defense goalies. That is literally what you talked about all show Monday and Tuesday. I don't. That was in all capitals. This guy wrote that. So I don't know how seriously he was yelling at us. He was yelling this. at us. He didn't call um, us drunk. So that's good.
1: Yeah. Well, the show's too early for us to get into the bag before we do it at uh, at 1 p.m. every day. Uh, it's part of the great time about how Winnipeg Sports Talk works every day, um, but you know I do want to listen. I think everyone knows. I mean, if you're a longtime listener of Winnipeg Sports Talk, you know that I'm not out on Logan Stanley by any stretch of the imagination. I didn't think he had a great season last year, um, but I was the one, the first one that speculated that I think the Winnipeg Jets are going to protect Logan Stanley in the expansion draft, and that's exactly what they did. So. Uh, when Marat had said yesterday, he's not sure where the Jets would go for that. I mean, I do think that there is some truth to that because of what they put into him uh, and the hopes for what he can be as an NHL defenseman. But you can only dress six guys. And right now, until they move one of those vets, um, Stanley, I mean, listen, at the end of the last season, if you're assuming those five guys, Dylan Sandberg was in the lineup ahead of both Stanley and Villy Hanela. Um, And I think there'll be some healthy competition with all those guys, but at a certain point you can't play everyone and the Jets have needs up front. So um, it was maybe a bit of a creative idea as to how we could maybe make a deal that makes sense for both teams based on the needs right now. Um, And it was interesting to hear all the feedback for it. Certainly you got, we got the why not question today on Roger Federer, but you can certainly add your comments and in the chat on what you think about, um, uh, you know, a potential acquisition of Piarvi if he interests you at all, as well as what might make sense to go the other way, that could result in a deal that works for both teams. And you know, it's got to be salary retain or salary savings for Edmonton. And um, from the Winnipeg side of things, I think you need to get a forward that can come in. And to me, a guy like Piarvi is a lot better than. Even a four or five million dollar player trading for one of your veteran defensemen, Reem, because I think there's real potential that Jesse puliarvi can turn into, you know, a valuable middle six forward for a good number of years beyond this upcoming season.
2: Yeah, and Brandon writes in chat: Has there have the Jets been linked to puliarvi at all? And you know, any reporting or is it just speculation? Seems like it's picking up. I mean, I have we haven't seen any insiders mention. The Jets, but you would think that they would be the insiders have been at the lake for a month and a half, they haven't even yeah. <laughs> been working. Um, like it, it just makes sense, they, they need a forward, they've been on these depth forwards. Edmonton wants to give him away. I don't, I'm, yeah, yeah. Listen, just to, just to be clear, I'm not talking about anyone else's report.
1: This was entirely, um, yeah. this was entirely just a thought that I had after talking with Dusty the other day after Ryan Rashog was on saying and reporting that the Edmonton Oilers are still looking to move Jesse puglia and they would do it for a draft pick. And um, and I guess you you could do that for a draft pick and you'd bring in. But I mean, whenever I think of trades that potentially make sense for the Winnipeg Jets, uh, I'm always thinking about how you can add to the forward group and, you know, at the same time, you know, make a little bit more room for some of these young defensemen, i.e. Hainala and Dylan Sandberg to get into the lineup. And listen, I know it's not their first choice to trade a Logan Stanley. I think they'd like to have him around and have him around for a long time. Um, But at a certain point, the rubber's got to hit the road. There's going to be tough decisions to be made. And, Um, That was sort of where that idea came from. Interested in your comments. The chat's always open. And if you're watching us afterwards or you're listening to the podcast and you want to get in, hit us up on Twitter at Sports Talk WPG or get to the YouTube page, subscribe to it, and then drop in the comments what you think about that potential trade. All that being said, that was a great topic yesterday that we got a a lot of feedback from. Uh, But the interest was all at Iceplex yesterday as the Winnipeg Jets rookie camp got underway. And we did hear from a number of the Winnipeg Jets, and we'll get to that in just a minute. But the other big news today, Remo, that we've got to talk about was the announcement from True North Sports and Entertainment about the celebration of the unveiling of the Dale Howarchuk statue. And it sure sounds like October 1st is going to be a special day in downtown Winnipeg. I'll be honest, it was sort of strange to hear that that is happening all around an exhibition game, but everything that we've seen, True North is really putting a lot into this date as a a special day to celebrate their season ticket holders, and I know as a season ticket holder, I'll certainly want to be there for that game far more than any normal preseason game not only because of what they're doing in the rink, but also because of what's happening before with a special ceremony before the game at 5.15 where the Dale Howarchuk statue will be unveiled and uh, an incredible crew. I've got to give True North a lot of credit. I mean, they do these events very well. Um, A real who's who of uh, Dale Howarchuk's life on and off the ice. Um, joining Dale Howardchuck's wife, Crystal, will be addressing the crew. NHL Senior VP of Hockey Operations and former Winnipeg Jet, Chris King. Uh, his former Canada Cup teammate and fellow Hockey Hall of Fame member, Paul Coffey. Former Jets teammate, Dave Ellett. Former Jets teammate, and now Jets associate coach, Scott Arneal. And of course, Jet forward, Mark Scheifley, uh, who Howardchuck was an influential coach and mentor. Um, many other Jets alumni will attend, including former teammates like Randy Carlisle, Serge Savard, Dave Babich, Paul McLean, Laurie Boschman Lucien Deblois, Jim Kite, Tim Waters, Brian Mullen, Ray Neufeld, Jimmy Mann, Randy Gillen, Jordy Douglas, and there'll be a special flyby featuring four 17-wing CT-155 uh, Hawks excuse me, to cap off the unveiling ceremony. Um, this is going to be a really, really special day for this organization. I would say this community, uh, the hockey community, downtown Winnipeg, and um, I'm really looking forward to being a part of this and um, you know being there in person to see a guy that thrilled so many of us in our younger years uh, leave a lasting legacy that uh, True North promised and is now delivering
2: on on the first of October. This is really cool. We don't have any statues commemorating. The past here, you go to other big sports cities and they do have that kind of stuff. Um, You know, I've been to, you know, you have Legends Row in Toronto. I've been to games in White Sox. They had some cool statues. Uh, I was in Seattle for baseball game. They had Ken Griffey Jr. statue. And finally, there's going to be one here at True North Square. And you know they said you know has they said the uh ceremony was going to be October 1st in a preseason game and you're kind of like a preseason why are they doing this? but it makes sense it's going to be outside like they, what they're going to have a uh, DJs there sounds like it's going to be a great ceremony they say get there at 4:30 October 1st it's a Saturday uh ceremony's at 5:15 um you know you see the names that you just mentioned in the ceremony I mean this is first class um event they're putting on and you have the Saturday game after so I'm, you know, I'm really uh, fired up to see what the statue looks like and see uh, how the ceremony goes. Uh, I think this is a uh, pretty awesome uh, for the franchise and, and Dale Howard as well. So um, nice to see him getting honored. And we've heard about the statue. I think for I think they announced like a year ago. Yeah, um, almost pretty much a year ago. So uh, this is building for a while. And um, we know they do these sort of things. True North does these things the right way. We've seen you know, previous jersey banner raisings and. You know, bringing all these people in for this you have the statue and then they what you know next month and or two um, two months from now in November the Newman and Solani uh, honoring uh, some big events here surrounding the Jets the first two months of the season
1: yeah n- n- no doubt and listen I like uh, many of you um, have not split up my season tickets with uh, my buddies that uh, that we share the seats with but I could actually envision a scenario where this exhibition game could actually be picked before maybe a couple regular season games that are at the end of the list um this is going to be very different than a normal preseason game and i would imagine the winnipeg jets will be icing pretty much their best possible lineup although maybe shifley's not in it if he's taking part in the ceremony beforehand Um, just a couple more notes on this uh along with the unveiling of the statue Fans are invited to celebrate uh, Dale Howarchuk's life and legacy at True North Square and the surrounding area before and after the event. Honorary Dale Howarchuk Way, which is grand between Carlton and Donald, and Hargrave, north of St. Mary, south of Porridge, will be closed from 4 to 8 p.m. to accommodate the ceremony. Uh, live DJ and the Jets community team will remain on site between 6 and 7 As fans are able to get a closer look at the statue and enter canada life center for the jets oilers 7 p.m puck drop so um all the information's there at winnipegjets.com and if you were planning on getting two seats for the upcoming season or for this particular game i would suggest to do it i believe every fan at that game will also get a commemorative dale howard chuck coin and i know those will be in high demand especially for fans of the 1.0 era so there's your uh, 411 on the Howard Chuck statue. And, and I think as we get closer to that event, we'll look to uh, hook up with Scott Brown or somebody from True North to maybe talk more about everything that's happening in and around that time. But right now, our focus is on the young stars. And we're going to hear from them in just a minute. Uh, but I'll tell you what, before we do that, I want to give a big shout out to our friends at Consolidated Supply, our newest sponsors, and the best sort of sponsors, WST guys and girl gang, just like us. Uh, I know Joe and Spicy, longtime listeners, and uh, Chris Buchler, Buck, a longtime friend of mine. Great to see what they're doing, um, which has been growing consolidated supply here in Winnipeg and throughout Western Canada. They are the irrigation leaders. If you're looking to get your lawn green and lush with irrigation, they can help you with DIY irrigation solutions. Uh, Or if you're out at the cabin and unsure if the lawn was watered, uh, our buddy Joe has Wi-Fi-enabled controllers to check in on your cell phone. And if you've got artificial turf needs, looking for grass that'll withstand your pet's waste or won't grow in a shaded area, Consolidated Supply has artificial grass solutions for you, and Joe can help you out with that as well. And in addition, they've been a huge part of the golf industry for a long time, not only with the grass, but also with carts. Uh, if you need a newer, used golf cart tricked out, Gino will be there for you at Consolidated Supply. They are all things club car as Manitoba's dealer, uh, and they've got golf carts and bigger ones too for you know business uh, and um, warehouse needs. Two, four, six seaters, everything there. And listen, if you're working on something for the backyard, you want to get that incredible artificial turf putting green in. Or an outdoor kitchen, hot tub—they've got it all as well. Consolidated Supply, cte.ca or pop down and see them. Tell them the boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. At 1395 Niagara Road East, um, our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market are busy, busy heading into the fall, as they are stocked with Winnipeg's best selection of local, organic, and natural groceries, supplements, and beauty products, all at great prices. With an amazing, knowledgeable staff training these products to help you get exactly what you need. If you're into organic produce, local grass fed meats, they've got you covered. Not to mention a great grab and go deli with healthy and delicious Vita Market salads, sandwiches ready for you on the go. Uh, empowering Manitobans for 85 years to lead healthy lives with seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge. And check them out online at their fully shoppable website online at myvita.ca. Um, and we've had some great feedback on uh, for uh, Wallace and Wallace. Well, they did a number of very good number on Michael Remus's garage, as well as some of our customers. We always think of Wallace and Wallace as the fencing experts. Well, because they are, you've seen their fences and trucks all over the city. But you might not know that they are a big dealer of Clopay, the largest garage door manufacturer in the world. And despite supply chain issues, Wallace & Wallace can get your door delivered and installed in less than four weeks right now. And with 161 styles of garage doors to choose from, there's a style that's right for your home. And a new garage door can add up to 4% to the value of your home. Visit them at wallacedoors.com. Give them a call or check out more on their showroom in person down on Lawson Road. And a big cheers on a great season to our friends at Aiken's Lake. Just saw the pictures of Cole Perfetti and Connor Hellebuck up for the True North Foundation trip. Caught some beauty fish, as great as the fishing, the hospitality and the people are even better. Find out more about availability for next year at AkinsLake.com. All right, Remo, so we've got some uh, audio to hear from young Winnipeg Jets. Chaz Lucius and Brad Lambert spoke yesterday.
2: Yes, first scrums of the season. Huss, uh, very exciting uh, to finally have some questions being asked, some players we get to hear from them. What are they up to this summer? Um, and they came and spoke and now just gets us even more excited for these games. Friday, the first one, Friday, 6 PM uh, from Penticton. So they'll be, yeah. They'll be in, and we did have the line rushes yesterday too. Everyone was feverishly got to tweet out the young stars <laughs> line rushes. we got to know who's going to play with who. Well, I, the thing that I was
1: interested in is to where were Lucius and Lambert and sure enough, they were playing together. And um, you know, we know we expect Cole Perfetti to be on the squad at the beginning of the season. Not so much for Lucius and Lambert, but let's hear what they have to say about their plans going forward. I mean, I think outside of maybe Blake Wheeler and Pierre-Luc Dubois and a couple of the Winnipeg Jets, hearing from the new members of the organization was intriguing. as just about anything we'll get in the first little while. There are the pairings, as we mentioned. Perfetti with Greg Morales and Daniel Torgerson and Lucius and Lambert along with Bon Giovanni on that two-line, Jilkin and Nikan and the other centers in the group. But um, let's start off with Chaz Lucius, the uh, first rounder, 18th overall from last year, 2021. And uh, Lucius here signed
4: his contract,
1: was asked about uh, the opportunity here with the Winnipeg Jets turning
2: pro
4: i had the ankle surgery so i wasn't able to play i think that took me out maybe middle of february so i'm really looking forward to you know playing get some games under my belt before camp
5: obviously the world juniors uh in august weren't on the the menu Was that a conversation that you had with the jets kind of leading up to that about whether what was best
4: yeah, it definitely was. And, I mean, at that time, I, I'd say my ankle still needed some time to recover and heal. Um, so it, it wasn't a sense of playing or not playing. It was just it wasn't possible to play at that time with my ankle.
5: Will it be important, though, to get these reps now heading into main camp next week for you?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like I said before, these three games are going to be really big. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I haven't played since February, so I'm, I'm really excited for the opportunity.
1: All right, so there's a little bit of uh, former Jets first-rounder Chaz Lucius um, I guess in his first official media duties outside of when of course he was drafted. Now there is some question as to where Chas Lucius will play. I mean I think we know where he'd like to play um, but there's also junior options and of course the Manitoba Moose. Um, here's Lucius on where he might end up playing and what his intentions are.
4: Um, I'd say like no time at all really. I think uh, you know the skill set those things will Sorry, he was asked um, if, he th- if he thinks about where he, where he might play. I didn't okay, gotcha. A great note there. Kind of tell the story and how I'm, how I'm ready for camp and how I'm prepared to go into things. So and I think, again, it goes back to the mindset of just coming in one day at a time and mentally just being present in the moment.
5: I think I probably know the answer to this, but do you feel like you could make the Jets this year?
4: Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really hopeful and I'm going to give it my best shot. And I mean, I, I'd say anybody in my position would try to say the same thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, you want to have that confidence, uh, certainly outwardly. uh, There's by no means uh, I'll see you on opening night, uh, Jets fans. But um, Chaz Lucius, uh, for obvious reasons, I mean, he's been very successful at every level that he has been. Had those injuries last year and now looking to get back on the ice. Uh, First and foremost, be healthy, have a nice full season and help this organization continue to grow to the NHL. As to how soon that happens, I guess we will see. Uh, It was kind of fun just finding out more about these players. And Lucius also spoke on uh, a little bit more about him and uh, what he's into when he's not on the ice in his free time.
4: I think the biggest thing, um, well, first, both my injuries, I wasn't able to walk, so that's a little difficult, right? Um, so, I mean, like, again, reading is a big thing. I'd say just talking to friends and family, too, just communicating is a big thing. Um, and also, like, maybe sometimes going on YouTube, some motivational videos or different things like that are, are really important. I feel like it kind of sets the tone for my mindset. Or also just, like, resting, recovering, and trying to just to maybe meditate sometimes, I kind of pick that up a little bit speaker that you got into um yeah reading i'd say uh green lights by matthew mcconaughey definitely my favorite book and then youtube in general I, I just a lot of motivational videos i don't have one person in particular but i mean david goggins is on youtube a lot so he always pops up so I'll try to watch him a little bit
1: all right our kind of guy read YouTube, YouTube. YouTube. Well, we may need to do some motivational speeches uh, on this program for Chaz going forward. We'll make sure he subs to the channel like you all should. Hit that red button and join us every day at one o'clock and uh, we can be a part of the uh, motivation of the next generation
2: of Winnipeg Jets here on the show. You know, he said he was into YouTube and I start wondering, this is what I think about now. I'm like, you think Winnipeg sports doc comes up in his recommendations? Like, is he, if he's YouTubing, okay. If he's YouTubing like Winnipeg Jets highlights, trying to like get a scouting report on, on the team or something. I mean, we're going to show up in there. Maybe he would uh, hit the like. You need uh, to do a thumbnail
1: like, uh, can you believe this take on Chaz Lucius (laughs) (laughs) or something like that? We'll get it. We'll get the click throughs for sure. Um, (laughs) Uh, Listen, though, it was neat to see him, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what he looks like in these games coming up this weekend. Now, the other guy he was playing with and the other first-rounder that I think has has a lot of intrigue going into this tournament is the Finn that sounds like a Canadian, Brad Lambert, who was the Jets' second first-rounder in this past summer's draft. Um, You know, Lambert does not have a contract next year in Europe, so could play in the Western League, could play with the Manitoba Moose, and obviously, if things go his way, could play in the National Hockey League. Um, so Brad Lambert first was asked about where he's at right now and uh, how good it feels to uh, be here with his new team and organization and out on the ice yesterday with his teammates.
6: Yeah, it felt really good, uh, you know, get back at it. And, and, you know, it's a great group of guys. I already got to got to meet them all. So, uh, you know, I think we get along really well. It's a bunch of good guys. So, you know, it's, a, it's, it's great to be here. What do you got um, going
3: on in terms of team building? Part of it will be obviously brand new a few minutes old line combinations but you got some other uh, bonding opportunities as well i'm
6: sure yeah i mean i think we're most of us are staying at the hyatt hotel so you know just spending time when we're we're not at the rink spending time together doing doing different kinds of activities uh you know it's got to got to meet some guys and got to meet some guys a little later so uh, you know 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 a few of them closer already and uh you know looking forward to getting to know everyone everyone really cl- close and uh, everyone seems like uh it's going to be a close group of guys <laughs>
1: All right, so there is Brad Lambert meeting the media for the first time since coming to Winnipeg. Um, lots of, of talk about Lambert, obviously, at the World Juniors, where he wasn't on the ice for the last couple of games. And, I mean, he had that great start at Christmas with uh, five points in the first two games before the tournament was canceled. While it went well for his finished team, individually it did not go that well back in August. And um, not surprisingly, Lambert was asked about the World Juniors that experience.
6: Yeah, I mean it was a good experience. Obviously, our, our team did really good. Uh, you know, for me it was a a bit bit of a tough tournament, but uh, you know, uh, great to great to get the silver medal. Obviously, disappointing there at the end. Uh, you know, I was so close to close, close to the gold medal, but uh, you know, yeah, I was uh, still still really proud of all the guys.
5: Yeah, that Mason McTavish puck. Have you, have you like gone back and watched that, or is it almost too painful to go look at that? Yeah,
6: I've watched it. Watched it a couple of times. You know, it's uh, it's pretty. <laughs> You know it's that's not gonna happen many times out of ten so you know it's it's really upsetting
1: you know what just as an aside uh, i'm glad mike brought that up um riva can you imagine losing a gold medal that way I, I mean probably it didn't hurt quite as much because he wasn't on the ice or with the team in that game but i mean you're still part of a team you want to do well and That uh, we might go through the rest of our entire lives and not find a more unlikely way a sure win was taken away than the play that Mason McTavish made, um, which was a one in a hundred, one in a thousand in front of the net before Canada came back to win that game.
2: Yeah, the puck looks like it's going in. McTavish, a forward. It's almost like the Jeter, uh, like the Jeter flip. Like you can't believe that he's there to nail down uh, Jeremy. Giambi, but look, these—that's a nothing play for any of these hockey players. They've got such good hand eye, so I, I'm not surprised. I don't really get surprised anymore when guys knock down hucks in the air. It's like amazing he was even standing there, though. Um, you know, it was a the shot going net.
1: into a wide open net. I mean, that does not happen ever. I mean, even though, yeah, they do, and there's was... a lot of guys that are good with tips. I mean, the fact that he got as much on, on the puck as well to get through. Anyways, we won't need to litigate that, but it, <laughs> I still cannot believe that happened. Um, here's a little bit more from Brad Lambert, though. I just asked, you know, how he's feeling and where he's at getting to Winnipeg, going into this next chapter of his pro career.
6: Felt pretty good as soon as I stepped on the ice here in, in Winnipeg. Obviously, I had not been on the ice for like a week, but, uh, you know, still felt pretty good. Felt like I'm I'm in pretty good shape and, and you know, uh, got the skating test out of the way too, so uh, it's, uh, it's all good.
0: You mentioned that Edmonton went well for the team, but maybe not as, as well for you as you would have liked. So from that perspective, do you have something to prove to yourself uh, in Penticton this week?
6: Uh, you know, not, I don't know, like, uh, you know, I'm just going to go play my game, uh, you know, different different kind of opportunity. I had a different kind of opportunity this Christmas at the World Junior, and I was playing a bit of a different role this this summer, and, you know, I think I, I played pretty well in, in, in the role I played in this, this summer. It obviously wasn't wasn't too offensive role, but, uh, you know, I think I, I got pucks deep and, and grinded it out like like my coach wanted to, and I think I, I did that pretty well. So, uh, you know, now hopefully play playing a more offensive role here and, uh, you know, get get things going. Uh, can't, can't wait.
1: You know, he's got a fascinating accent,
6: you know, because it is
1: mostly Finnish, but you do hear some of the Canadian and North American in it as well. It'll be interesting to hear, compare that, Maybe to what he sounds like in a couple of years after playing in uh, in uh, the uh, in the National Hockey League. That being said, there is one more clip from Lambert, and I think that's what everyone's interested in: is where he's going to play this year. Uh, Lambert was asked if he thinks about where he might end up playing this season
6: yeah i mean personally I'm just taking a day at a time trying to have as good of a camp as I can possibly have uh you know prove prove improve how how i can play show show them how I can play and you know after that it's it's uh you know more in their hands uh what what where they want to put me where they think the best spot for me is to play and uh you know I'm not too worried about that i just uh Love going out there and playing, playing hockey wherever it is. We'll see where it is. I'm just gonna obviously do my best in this camp and, and uh, training camp too. Uh, you know, try to earn a spot, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens.
1: All right. So there
6: is Jets
1: first rounder Brad Lambert meeting the media yesterday before the uh, young stars head out to Penticton uh, to play three games over the course of the weekend, beginning on Friday. Again, links for the uh, the games which will be broadcast by the Jets, all in the description of this video uh, for each day if you want to get that set up. Now, Mark Morrison, Moosehead coach, is going to be behind the bench. He's been running the practices as well. And Morrison spoke yesterday, and he talked about what he saw from Brad Lambert as well as his message to everyone, all of the young players in the organization that are making the trip to Penticton.
2: To me, I don't know anything about that past area where he's taken a step back. I I uh... I don't see that, but to me he looked like he had a lot of pace and practice, he looked fast. Uh, he did look like he's highly skilled, uh, he's going to get a lot of ice time and a lot of put in a lot of uh, positions to succeed in power play and uh, we'll see where he goes.
5: Is the message the same for everybody, like you've got a group here, you've got first round draft picks, you've got seventh round draft picks, you've got free agents who are just here on invites, like a real eclectic mix, is the message the same to all these guys? No matter yeah they were
2: taken. yeah, hundred percent it is uh all those guys uh this is an opportunity for them to show, you know they they get a chance to see what they've got, but the biggest thing that we want to make sure we do as a group here is compete, so we want to be the hardest competing group everybody on our, on this team wants to uh compete hard and show everybody what they've got, so uh, that's our message to them uh be the team that competes the hardest, and if they all do that, then uh they'll get a look.
1: So there's Moosehead coach Mark Morrison uh, on the trip uh, going out to Penticton. Uh, fellas, flying out there today. I believe they'll skate there as well. And then first game tomorrow. And of course, we'll be talking about it uh, throughout the next few shows here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And looking forward to chopping it up with Brandon Rowicki on the program in a few minutes here on WST. Um, All right, just before we get to Uh, John Horn on uh, Roger Federer, again, why not question of the day, is about the great Roger Federer who announced his retirement today. Uh, In the comments, is Roger Federer the greatest men's tennis player of all time? Yes or no? If no, who is it? I say yes. We'll find out what John has to say in a minute. Uh, But of course, our friends at Not AutoCorp are great sponsors of ours, been with us since day one, and the place where you'll want to start any search for a new vehicle here in Winnipeg. If you're thinking about, um, you know, maybe an upgrade, if your current ride or your family has new needs, Not AutoCorp is the spot for the best deals on uh, incredible variety of vehicles and, if the kind of car you're looking for isn't there, the experts at Not will help you source it, find it, and get it here to Winnipeg at the best possible price. They've also gotten amazing selections of Tesla vehicles as they've been the Tesla leader in Manitoba for a number of years. Pop down, see Sean, Andre, and the rest of the gang at Not Auto Corp. Why not get into the car of your dreams at an incredible price with the help of the Knot team? Go down and see them at Waverly and McGillivray. Tell them WST sent you, or you can check them out online as well as the Winnipeg Car Lab at not.ca. Well, big game tonight. I've got my uh, Chiefs hoodie on. I'll get a new lid on tonight. And if you need a little gear for your favorite NFL team, new merch coming in daily at Royal Sports, of course, Tons of bomber gear as well, including exclusive back-to-back championship hats. Hopefully, we'll have some three-peat hats available at Royal Sports in a few months. Fingers crossed. And, of course, Jets gear and merchandise from everywhere in the world of sports. But it's not just the best selection of merchandise. They're also the hockey superstore. Hockey players know. Hockey players work there. And hockey players will help you get the best choice to make the most of your upcoming season for anyone in your family. Royal Sports Winnipeg's hockey superstar for over 35 years, 750 Pemina Highway. And, of course, you can follow him on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Well, we got a chance to see the young men in their uniforms yesterday. Uh, We'll probably, as we get into the season, get a lot of chance to see quite a few nice suits on the players. And, And I imagine most of those suits probably custom- from F Apparel. Uh, Remo and I got our new suits. We will do a suit show, maybe in and around the start of the season. We'll set a milestone for all you and we can hit it and then we'll have some more fun with it. But I can tell you, going down, seeing Andrew and his great staff at F Apparel was an absolute breeze. Roll out all the different options for the suits, the different fabrics, colors, and more. Get you sized up. And then a few weeks later, you got an amazing new suit at a great price. Custom suit starting at just $400. Every guy needs at least one suit that fits and looks great. F is there for you. And by the way, guys, if you're planning a wedding for next summer, talk to the staff at F about a 15% discount for the entire wedding party when you get your suits at F Apparel. 190 Smith Street downtown. Find out more Make an appointment online at F that's E P H apparel.com championship in the, uh, PGA tour. Can you believe it's a brand new PGA tour season? And then next week it is the president's cup. A few Canadians in the field this weekend, including Taylor Pendrith, who will also be on the international team at the president's cup. And, uh, We'll be following golf 12 months a year. And when we do it, it's for our friends at Breezy Bend. If you're looking for an amazing course for you and your family to enjoy many years playing together and with friends, Breezy Bend is the spot, one of Winnipeg's top private courses. Find out about the waiting list for next season by calling our friend Corey Johnson down at the clubhouse or find out more online at breezybend.ca. All right. Back to the Jets in a minute with Brandon Rowicki but with the retirement of Roger Federer, we had to grab John Horn for a few minutes to talk about an absolute living legend calling it a career. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, I guess first off, how much of a surprise was this amongst people like you that cover tennis so closely? Uh, was this bound to happen or uh, did this catch some people
7: off guard? Well, it's a good question. I mean, uh, I don't know if it caught people off guard in terms of, I mean, we knew this was going to happen. It was just a matter of when it was going to happen. Uh, were we surprised that it happened today? Uh, I think today, yeah, um, caught me off guard for sure. Um, I know he was supposed to be playing the Labour Cup and he is still going to be playing the Labour Cup uh, next week in London, which will be his last official event. Um, but many people thought that he was going to play the rest of the year. Uh, he was going to play in Basel, which is his, uh, home, in his home country in Switzerland uh thought that that if there was an opportunity where he may retire then that may be the event that he would retire being at home uh and then many thought maybe he was going to play another year another two years um but really i guess what's been happening is that his knee injury that he's been trying to recover from uh has just not been going as smoothly as he thought i mean he is 41 years old it's definitely not easy to recover at 41 uh, compared to when you were 21 or when you were 35 or when he has last knee injury, uh, where he came back and ended up winning the Australian Open, which is still is is remarkable that he was able to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the fact that it caught a lot of people off guard today, uh, you know, it seems like, you know, maybe some people had an indication this was happening. I mean, when you look at all the messages that have gone out there through the tours, uh, through certain players, it's almost as if. You know, how can you write something like this or put a video together like this if you didn't know this was coming um but uh yeah i mean uh a little surprised that it happened when it w- the fact that it happened now uh i mean it does give an opportunity now for a big send-off at the labor cup uh in london uh and maybe fitting that london is his place that he does end up playing his last match, considering he had so much success at Wimbledon, he's beloved there. Um, If there is a place to go out, this is probably the place, other than in Switzerland, uh, for him to do so.
1: Well, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about royalty, of course, with the passing of the Queen and uh, being mourned in Great Britain. uh, And tennis has lost, um, you know, arguably the great royalty on both sides. Uh, Serena Mm -hmm. Williams, the greatest women's player of all time, and Roger Federer, who is certainly in the conversation for the best ever on the men's side. We'll get to that in a minute, but... The legacy of Federer to me is so much more than what he did on the court um and we're seeing that by the reaction from people outside of tennis around the sports worlds. I mean this guy is an icon of tennis but also for sportsmanship for gentlemen i mean he mm. is um he epitomizes so many of the great things that we love about sports.
7: Yeah, I mean, look, he's hes won the Sportsmanship Award uh, on the men's tour for multiple years in a row. Uh, there's there's a reason why he's done so. Uh, he's very gracious on the court and off the court. Uh, he's always had that reputation as being a really outstanding uh, athlete in terms of with the fans, uh, in terms of media, uh, in terms of his peers, very respectful. Um, and, and you're right. Like, I mean, he is a sports icon. I mean, when you look at the, the other sports of the world and where, where these other athletes in different sports have gone, what kind of pedestals they're on. uh, I mean, there are a number of, number of athletes out there. You think of Muhammad Ali, you think of Pele, you think of Tiger Woods. I mean, there's, there's, those are just a few. Cristiano Ronaldo, there's so many different athletes in so many different sports, um, who are icons in, in their sport. i i really put roger federer really at the top of the list in terms of worldwide you go anywhere in the world whether it's in india antarctica south africa spain canada wherever everyone knows who roger federer is everyone respects what roger federer has done on the tennis court and there's just something about him it's something about his demeanor it's his style on the court it's the way that he hits the tennis ball it's it's his look it's his Everything about him just sort of shows class and sportsmanship. And uh, it's really been a privilege to, you know, at at the age that we are, to to watch uh, such an athlete um, have so much success and the way he's been able to do it. It, it, I mean, there'll be be no other Roger Federer um, in everything that he's done. I mean, we think of all the money he's won, you think of the slams and the tournaments and everything that he's done. Uh, But it's just the way he carries himself. Um, on and off the court, which, you know, I will always remember. And I'll always remember one thing that Roger Federer said uh, during a press conference or an interview that I was at. And I thought it was really interesting that, you know, the amount of people who try to clamor for his autograph to try and get a picture with him, selfies, whatever. Um, He said that, you know, I will always go to other you know, other people who admire the sport, whether it's fans or coaches or media people or whatever, if somebody ever asked me for an autograph, I'm going to f- sign my full name, Roger Federer on that autograph. I'm not just going to scribble RF, which he could easily do or scribble something down like a lot of players do. Cause you know, you see it at the end of tennis matches where players are signing like hundreds of stuff. And it's like <laughs> Nick Kyrgios also just put NK or Djokovic. He'll put a little scribble. Federer always said that every time somebody asked me for an autograph, I'm going to take the time and put my full signature on there so they can see my name because they took the time to want to get my autograph. I'm going to take the time to give them the time. So I thought that that is something that always sticks with me and is something that's very cool.
1: Well, and, and honestly, it's something that we don't see very often, especially today in this era. And uh, it's another reason of why he stood out amongst his peers for so long. And. You know, with Roger calling it quits, Nadal certainly finishing up the back nine of his career, Mm -hmm. and Serena uh, retiring at the U.S. Open. I mean, growing up, tennis was always a relatively young person's game. I mean, the top men's players would get to 30, and then they were not as competitive anymore. That's all changed basically during this era, thanks to those three players specifically. But where does tennis go from here? I mean, if you remove those and we expect Nadal to stop at some point soon, um, this really could be maybe the most significant turnover amongst the star power, I'd argue, maybe in the history of the sport.
7: Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's definitely a different uh, a different era. There's no doubt about it. Um, You know, we're starting to see that. I mean, we saw we saw the final uh, at the U.S. Open on the men's side with uh, Rude and Alcaraz sort of being the next coming. And I think you know if they they play the way, especially Alcaraz, if he continues the way to play the way that he's he's been playing, I mean, I think men's tennis is going to be in a good place. I think women's tennis is in a good place as well. A lot of good young stars, uh, lots of competition. Sviantek is obviously the top of the game, top of the sport in the women's side right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of a sad time for people who've been watching, uh, you know, maybe people who are in their 30s and 40s who've been watching these these athletes for 20 years and then suddenly they're they're disappearing now. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, to have Federer and, and Serena who, you know, were born only a month and a bit apart, you know, retiring you know, 12, 13 days apart uh, from each other. Uh, it's, it's, it's an era that's, that's going to be gone. And I mean, we think of all that they've done for the sport on the women's side and on the men's side, all the tournaments, all the grand slams, uh, all the records, uh, the prize money, the everything. Uh, You know, it's hard to talk about tennis these days without mentioning Serena Williams and Roger Federer. And now suddenly we're not going to be able to do that anymore. Uh, You're right. Nadal, I think, is on the back end end of his career. I mean, uh, he still says that he wants to keep playing and it's going to be up to the injuries, I think, and the recovery and how long that goes. Uh, I think Novak Djokovic has got a few years left in him still. So, um, you know, there's still, a lot, and the, I mean, there are lots, a ton of good, I shouldn't say a lot. There are a ton of good young players, uh, on the tour who, who have the potential to do a lot of things, including our Canadians, Dennis Shabalov, Felix Oje, uh, Leila Fernandez, Bianca andrescu on the women's side. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, those are just some of the players. I mean, think of Sitsipas, Sabalenka. I mean, there's just that there's a ton of, uh, really strong, good young players on both sides. So I think the game is still in a good spot, but it's just going to be, a little different not having the icons there and how are we going to get Mm. casual tennis fans or non-tennis fans to watch the sport without these players because, I mean, they've done so much for the sport and everyone knows their name. uh, Even if you're not even a big tennis fan, you know who Federer is, you know who Serena is, so it's going to be strange.
1: John Horn with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk breaking down the uh, retirement announcement of Roger Federer. Uh, John, before we go, this is Sports Talk. Everyone wants to talk about who's the best, who is the GOAT, Um, listen, I mean, Novak's obviously got a lot more time to play and with what he's done so far, he might win more grand slams. I don't think he'll ever be able to match up to Roger in many of the other categories, but I mean, you're the best person to ask this. And so I want to ask you, who's the best male tennis player of all time? Um, is it Roger
7: Federer or is it somebody else? (laughs) I mean, it's, it's a tough question. Uh, it's like any sport where you're asking who the best hockey player is of all time. It's different eras, different generations. Uh, is Gretzky better than, Orr? was Lemieux better than Gretzky? Is Crosby better than both? I mean, there's, there's, I mean, it's so hard to, to juggle uh, different eras and different uh, athletes and what they brought to the sport. I mean, if you were to look at the three players who were have been competing against each other in this era of Federer, Djokovic and Nadal, for me uh it's such a tough call i mean i would say that federer for me is the greatest of all time just because he's able to he's done so much uh on so many different surfaces around the world Uh, nadal as much as i mean he leads the grand slam title race with 22 14 of those that come on the french and not to take that away from him but 14 of the 22 have come on one surface uh and djokovic is really uh an unfinished project because he's still going to be going on and i i mean i Personally, I think that Djokovic is going to take down all the records because he's still younger than the other two uh, and he's got more tennis in him. So uh, it's hard to call Djokovic the greatest of all time at this point, but I think eventually he will be the greatest of all time when it comes down to records. Um, but then you also have to look at it from the, the perspective of is the greatest of all time. Are we talking about on the tennis court or are we talking about an entire package? Are we talking about what what the player does off the court, how he is with the fans, how he is with the media? Um, what has he done in terms of charity? What has he done? I mean, all these guys have great charities and they're, they've raised a ton of money for all kinds of different foundations. So that's kind of a wash. Um, every player has a you know, if the Serbian players all love Djokovic, he's beloved in Australia. Nadal is beloved in Spain. Uh, They love him in in France, obviously, because of he's got followers all over the world. But when you look at Federer, I just think when you look at the accomplishments, um, he's second in career titles. uh, He's third in Grand Slams. uh, He's got a ton of money. uh, He's done a lot of good stuff around the sport. Um, Wherever you go to watch Roger Federer play, he packs the house. I don't know if Djokovic does that. Uh, Nadal certainly is very close to packing the house almost all the time, but Federer, no matter what, he could be playing like a world number 1000 in the world and the place would be packed. People want to watch, always wanted to watch Federer play. And I think it was just the way that he plays, the way he carries himself on court Uh, really sort of puts that with all the other numbers all the records and the the wins and titles and everything in one package so that's why i give it to federer because it's just the entire package of what he brings to the sport and what he's done for the sport um compared to say what nadal and djokovic uh, have done nadal very close behind i gotta say uh and and we're only talking about this era we're not talking about you know What about Bjorn Borg? What about Rod Laver? What about John McEnroe? Uh, There's a lot of of, Pete Sampras. Where do all these players fit into the category? But uh, it's a remarkable era, which we're probably never going to see. again. where, you know, probably we'll go down as the three greatest tennis players on the men's side of all time, all played in the same era against each other. And that's very strange. It's usually... You know, even on the women's side, one player, Steffi Graf, or another player, Martina Navratilova, they didn't really—they crossed over a little bit, but they didn't play in the same era all at the same time uh, regularly. So it, it's it's very unique. Uh, but for me, uh, I've got Federer in the in the goat category, uh, just personally.
1: Well, I, I'll say this—you um, know—he's transcended the sport uh, and. Uh, is going to be missed in so many ways, but what an incredible career and how lucky have we been to uh, watch Roger Federer do what he's done for all these years. John, thanks so much for doing this. Be well and uh, enjoy the labor cup uh, and everything. We've got a Roger before it's over. No problem,
7: guys. Thanks for having me.
1: All right. Great stuff with John Horn again. Why not question of the day in the comments thoughts on Roger Federer's retirement and his place in the pantheon of men's tennis. And frankly, into the, the greatest athletes over the course of this generation. All right, Rowicky is on deck. We're gonna bring him on right away. Uh, we will talk some bombers with Mokan later on. Don't forget bombers and riders. A week Friday, Princess Auto tailgate gets going two hours before game time. Five dollar beers, three fifty hot dogs and pop. It was an absolute zoo. What a scene before the Banjo Bowl. Hopefully, it stays that way throughout the rest of the season. Of course, Princess Auto proud sponsors of the bombers. And your boys here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto, two Winnipeg locations, Panit Road, Portage Avenue West, and of course you can shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Our friends at Culligan Water uh, have been with us. Really, since uh, right around we began this and uh, what a great partner they've been. Um, And, you know, much like their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk, they have been the go-to people for over 65 years in the water game here in Winnipeg and southern Manitoba. Culligan has everything you and your family or your business need. Water softers, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems and drinking water systems, not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions visit culligan water in person at 1200 sergeant avenue you can give them a call at 694-5180 or find out all their products and services at drinkculligan.com. um our friends at canadian club uh speaking of that princess auto tailgate zone and bomber games those cc and gingers were uh Well represented in the stands at the Banjo Bowl on the weekend, as was the Great Taste of Canadian Club as the official sponsor of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. You can get Canadian Club and the CC and Ginger ready-to-drink premixed cocktail throughout IG Field. But you can also grab CC and Ginger now in six packs at your local beer store as well, in addition to Manitoba Liquor Marts, along with all the amazing products, including Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian Club. And, uh, hey, big game tonight, Chargers-Chiefs. Going to see what Brendan wiki thinks about that one as well. Um, but don't forget, Boston Pizza <clears throat> is the place to watch every NFL game on the big screens. You've got delicious BP flights and ice-cold Bud draft-on special for 5 bucks every game. And you can enter to win one of two grand prize trips for two to an NFL weekend in Vegas, including hotel, airfare, NFL game tickets, and a bonus NHL game, First trip is November 11th to 13th for Raiders Colts and Golden Knights versus Blues on Saturday. Second trip, New Year's Eve weekend, Raiders Niners plus the Knights and Predators on New Year's Eve. Watch the NFL and enter to win at any Winnipeg, Selkirk, Steinbeck, Morton and Portage Boston Pizza location. All right, let's get Rewiki in here to, uh, to chop it up. Brandon, great to have you back in the program as always looking like a million U S tax free. What, uh, what's up? How are you doing? Or were you as excited as everyone else to see line rushes of rookie camp? It's been a while since we had
3: tweets like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, Brad Lambert on the second line, are you freaking kidding me? What are we doing <laughs> here? It, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like we're, we're getting closer to it. So, I mean, that's good, but, uh, I I'm more, it's, it's funny. I'm still more excited for, for the media availability um, on day one of training camp, then, then whatever the line combinations might be. It, it, it is nice. Like we're finally like a week away now. It, it's, it's getting here. It's cold as hell outside too. It's, it's getting a little bit closer here. And I'm just, I'm, I'm excited about some actual, um some actual storylines instead of, you know, trying to fabricate the same thing over the last two months.
1: Yeah, we got football weather. I can wait on the hockey weather for a little (laughs) bit. Um, That being said, though, going into this prospects tournament in Penticton, um, more sort of star power, more intrigue, more high draft picks on this club than we've had in a long time. And I don't think it's surprising at all that Cole Perfetti's going. I think he needs the reps, some game action. Um, but, you know, we heard from Chaz Lucius um, as well as Brad Lambert before. They were playing together on that second line that you talked about in the line rushes. i um, very interested to see how those players look like against their peers. And then obviously next week when we get to main camp and uh, they get to mix it up with the real life NHLers.
3: Yeah. You know, those are the, honestly, the only two I'm kind of interested in seeing, mainly just because uh, Cole Perfetti has nothing to prove playing against his peers right like he's he's shown he's an nhl guy right now it's going to be how he does against the best of the best in the nhl not people that are around his age group which he's shown that he's kind of uh you know reached a step above that i i honestly wouldn't even be surprised if perfetti you know struggled in terms of production here just because there's not really a lot for him to gain other than just getting some some game speed reps in but I'm very intrigued i'm I'm more intrigued by Lambert than I am Chaz Lucius um I mean Lucius is no matter what he does pretty much destined to uh spend the full season with the moose which would be great for him and hopefully he can get in you know a full slate of games and avoid the injury bug for the moose this year but I don't know man there, there's something about when I when I've watched brad Lambert in the past that I, I I think it would have been a fine pick for the jets at you know 12 or 13. Or wherever it was with their with their initial pick. And for them to get him at number thirty, I, I I know there's been a bit of a roller coaster ride for him these past uh couple of months, the last year or so. But I I think he's a special player. And I'm really, really excited to see what he looks like at training camp. I, I think I don't like he's not gonna make the team or anything like that. I think he's one of those players that when you put him up a level, you can see his game reach that same level and he can take another step. I I I wonder motivation wise if he's ever going to be a really impactful player in junior, which again is an odd thing to say. But I think that I don't know. I'm I'm going out on a limb, and I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be the story of, of Winnipeg Jets training camp, and that he's going to come in there and he's he's going to look the part. He's going to be one of the best skaters outside of Nikolai Ehlers and Kyle Connor at Jets camp. And I just I, I really think that the club got a a home run pick at the late of the first round there.
1: Oh, Brandon coming in with the Kofi Kingston, New Day, power of positivity. I'm I'm buying what you're selling right now, or certainly I'm here for it. I'm excited. Well, let me ask you about that, because last year was the year that he did struggle. His draft stock plummeted playing with men in the Finnish League, and that, to me, makes it so interesting as to how the Jets as an organization go over the course of the next few weeks with where he ends up. Um I mean, I think there's an argument to be made that going to play in junior, you know, with a good team like Seattle, playing a prominent role, playing big minutes and hopefully really dominating that league could be good for his development and definitely good for his confidence. Um, But it sounds like you're kind of thinking that he might be ready for certainly the American Hockey League. And there is part of me that would love to see those two first rounders, Lucius and Lambert, who might be playing together in Penticton to sort of cut their teeth together as professionals playing together, maybe leaning on each other, hopefully starting a real good relationship that could last long into a hopefully long career with the big club.
3: Yeah. I, you know, look, I, I haven't spoken to him. The, the jets have a ton more information on this than any of us do. If they think it's best to sit in the junior, then it, it probably is. I, I think he's ready for the HL. I'd like to see him play there for the full year. I, I, I think that would be best for him. Um, We'll see though, but I, you know, I, I just, I call it a funny feeling or whatever it is. I I think he's, I think he's going to be fun to watch at training camp. It's just, it's, it's very rare for a player of, of his size to skate the way that he does. It's, and it's not just, it's rare for a junior. It's, it's rare for NHLers at that size to skate as well as he does. And he's got a great shot, a ton of skill. I, I, he just hasn't put it all together yet, but I think once he does, this is we're gonna look back on 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 this draft here, and I think a few years down the road, Jets fans fans across the NHL are gonna say, "Well, how how the hell was Brad Lambert not a top ten pick that year? Because he's gonna turn out to be a pretty impactful N- N- NHL. And honestly, it's, it's probably you talked about positivity. That's probably the most optimism I can I can give around the Jets right now is that you know their their recent draft class was. A, a pretty big a to a plus for me and, and brad lambert was probably the crown jewel of the entire class
1: yeah well i mean listen we won't know about rucker mcgrordy until he uh, you know turns pro and that it would be at the earliest next year because of course he's uh enrolled at the university of michigan uh, but both Chaz lucius and brad lambert are here they'll be in penticton and we'll be talking about them uh, after the weekend as to how they did and paying close attention to what they can do in main camp with the rest of the Winnipeg Jets. Brandon Rewicki with us. He's the host of Skates and Plates. Make sure to download and subscribe wherever you get your Winnipeg Sports Talk podcasts uh, for more great Jets content from Brandon. Brandon, I want to ask you about something that I brought up with Murat yesterday. Um, listen, we don't need to go back into the, fact that the winnipeg jets still have this big log jam on defense they certainly have needs at forward and i think it's quite clear that you know uh maybe a transition or a trade moving a defense and bringing in a forward would make some sense yes he pulled before i even hit you with mine what are your thoughts on play i mean is he a player that interests you he's got three million dollars uh, owing him this year he's an rfa at the end of the year and it sounds like he's very much available by the Edmonton Oilers for a team that needs to drop a little bit of salary. And that's the one thing that Winnipeg Jets do have right now is a little bit of room to add a player. What are your thoughts just on pull yard before we talk about what the cost would be to get him?
3: Yeah. So it's, it's a really interesting conversation because you have, especially out there at Edmonton, two differing viewpoints on this. And, one side looks at what he does out there on the ice and the other side looks at what he doesn't do on the ice relative to his draft position. And That changes the way you look at him. But if if you just remove that he was the third overall pick a few years back and you just say, look, this is, this is a player in the NHL. This is what he has to offer. Fourth overall pick, sorry. Um, he's a guy that does all the dirty work. He's not going to run you over physically, but he's going to be physical. And he's shown a pretty good aptitude of, of driving play and, and doing so from the winger spot, which is pretty rare, but also elevating the, the, the lines that he plays on. And while he's doing all that, he will miss out on 95% of his scoring chances. That, that, that's like, that's kind of the, the give and take with Paul Yarby. He He just hasn't shown a bit of a finishing touch, but he does so many other things well that, I think he's still a pretty impactful player. He's never going to be. I, I know people are making the comparisons to to Val Lachutskin. I I don't I don't I don't really envision a scenario where he reaches that ceiling. But to me, there's no reason he can't be a very good to elite third line winger or a super strong complementary piece on a, on a team second line or even on a first line. Like for the Jets, for example, if you have Shifley Ealers, and Puljari or Dubois, Connor. Olly there. I I think he's I think he's a guy that can help a team's top six. I think he's a guy that could take your third line if it's good and turn it into something that's extraordinary. Um, but I don't think he's going to be an eighty to ninety point player anytime soon. Maybe even a sixty point player. But if you're if you're wanting to have a guy on your team that can chip in forty ish points and and do a lot of the the, the little things right, then then he's going to be a great player for you. And I think. I think all of Jets Nation would agree. Hey, 40 points, and he plays on your second or third line? Yeah, we need about two to three of those guys, so sign me up for a point, RV.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I'm surprised that apparently at the asking price that he's still there in Edmonton. Like, I can't believe that there is... I mean, from what we hear about it, the Oilers are willing to take, you know, sort of... uh, non-first-rounder. Like a mid-round pick. Yeah, I- I- in return for him. So, listen, I don't think the Jets are basically looking to just throw out draft picks for players right now. But, I mean, there's this goes back to a couple things. The Oilers need to trim some salary, and the Winnipeg Jets have a glutted defenseman on the blue line. And I asked this to Murat, and I also asked this to Dustin Nielsen in Edmonton. I'll hit this to you. Play Harvey to the Winnipeg Jets for Logan Stanley uh 900k going out, 3 million coming in. Edmonton would get a cap savings of 2 uh, of 2.1 million. Um and I would even say oh maybe there's a fifth rounder or a later draft pick that would be going with Stanley if that's what it is. Who says no to that in your mind? The Oilers or the Jets? Or does it make sense for both teams and then maybe your thoughts personally on it?
3: I think it's a home run for the Jets. I, I I wonder how highly Chevy values Stanley. That's that's kind of an unknown, but it's pretty high if if you consider that he, he decided to keep him over Dylan DeMello in the expansion draft a few years, and Dylan DeMello is this team's arguably top ranked right defenseman. I do right wonder now.
1: how that I I mean, listen, time does change some things, and the there. season that he had last year, along with the predicament and the spot they're in. And the development of Dylan Samberg and Vili Hainala to me has maybe changed the situation a little bit for Stanley. I'm with you. They've put a lot into this player. They protected him in the expansion draft. He is a guy I think that they have thought very highly of and do believe that can be a regular in the NHL. But I think they believe that as well about the other guys. And at a certain point, there's only so many guys that can play, which is what kind of got me thinking about this sort of a possibility.
3: Yeah, no, I I, I totally get it. I am. The interesting part, too, from a Winnipeg perspective is even if you're a Logan Stanley believer, I mean, the absolute, absolute highest ceiling you would put him at is, is a number four defenseman. But I, I think realistically is he's a good third pair defenseman that will kill penalties for you and maybe even be your team's number one penalty killer. I think I think that's his his best case scenario. And, and there's there's nothing wrong with that. There's still a, a decent amount of value in having a six foot seven guy that can give you um, some special teams time on the third pair there, um, but in all reality, if you're the Winnipeg Jets in this situation, you're trading your your team's seventh, maybe eighth defenseman for a guy that can play immediately inside your top, your your middle six at the very least. Where wherever you, the, the the Jets want to put him, they can they can figure that out. Um, I, I wonder if Edmonton would would take the plunge on that. Um, I wonder if they might try to shoot a little bit higher and say, "Well, what about a Brendan Dillon as opposed to a Logan Stanley?" Because
1: but the thing is, they can't take the salary. I mean, the yeah. reason why I bring up Logan Stanley is that he's making nine hundred grand this year. Listen, if they're willing to trade him for a second or a third round pick, I mean, they're basically the the reason why. And I know BA saying, "Well, Stanley's not uh, you know established enough." Well, you know what else isn't established enough? A third round pick. Yeah. I mean, their number one priority in this is apparently moving him and getting the cap space. And this goes back to the conversation we've had about the Winnipeg Jets. The one thing that they've got right now in their favor is the ability to take on a little bit of salary. And I've thought for a long time that this would end with one of the defensemen being traded for a forward coming back. Originally, through most of the summer, it was name your guy of the five veterans that's making a little bit more and the player coming back would be if you're trading a $4 million defenseman maybe you're bringing a guy back at five and a half or six. And again, that's to the advantage of the other team that's getting that cap savings and the Jets maybe get a player that fits more right now. But if that's not happening and they can't move those guys and you've got these three younger defensemen that all need to play, um, you know, the more I think about it, You know, there's no long term commitments on either player. They'll both be RFAs at the end of the year. Um, You know, again, again, I have no idea how interested the Jets are in Pugliarvi. If they do think that he would be a nice fit, if they do think that they would make him a better team, there's a lot of evidence that would say that that is the case. And you know, considering you can't play eight defensemen at once, someone's going to be the odd person out. And if they think that that uh, Dylan Sandberg, and if they think that Philly Hanel are ready to go, and they've got the other pieces that can play that Logan Stanley role, the more I think about it, that's a conversation that I think would sort of be a win-win for both teams, considering their, pre- their current predicaments.
3: Yeah, I, I guess, like when you mention it, <laughs> the only hesitation I have is like it, it seems too good to be true from the Winnipeg side of things. Like it's, it's a, the, the, I, I really can envision a scenario, even if Chevy is super high on Stanley, where you, you wouldn't accept that trade because I mean, you're still getting a, it, it checks off all the boxes too. Like sure. You're getting a middle six player young. I mean, size is kind of a semi big thing with the Winnipeg jets, especially up front. They've made it well-known. They want to get, you know, bigger and, and physical and more difficult to play against. Uh, he's, he's got speed. He's cheap relatively, and, and under team control as well. And he's from Finland, so he's he's used to the Winnipeg Winters, right? Like it, it just it seems too good to be true. So there, there's just a part of me that's like, ah, I just I don't know if Edmonton would would take the bait there. Um, if I was the Oilers GM in that situation and that was offered to me, I would I turn that one down pretty quick, to be honest. But what would
1: you rather have, Logan Stanley or a late second rounder or a third round well, draft
3: pick? What I, yeah, what I was gonna get to is like you know I I would say no, but if if the Edmonton Oilers are basically willing to throw Puljuhvi on the scrap heap, then hey, I'll I'll take a I'll take a former first round pick defenseman if I'm willing to give this guy away for nothing. So I I don't know it <laughs> it seems too good to be true if if that happens and that plays out, all the credit in the world to Chevy for for pulling one. Out of his out of his behind, this this close to the the regular season getting underway, um, I just I, I I don't know I I I, I just I feel like league wide value, Polyarvi should hold more than Logan Stanley, but with the way the Oilers have been just so oddly anti Puljuhvi, especially mm-hmm. at the tail end of the year in the playoffs, may- maybe. Maybe the Jets could pull off a bit of a gem here and, and make that happen.
1: Well, and, and listen, this goes back to um, Ryan Rashog's report earlier this year that Jesse puglia or earlier this week, I should say, not this year, this week, as training camp's coming back. I mean, they're still in their cap predicament. They've got to make something happen. And I think they see that as a way to do exactly that. And, and this comes back to back to me. If the asking price is a mid-round pick for Jesse puglia put it this way. I'm surprised that that deal hasn't already been made by somebody in the national hockey league. Um, So, so maybe what we're getting is not entirely based in reality, but if that is the case um, from an Oilers perspective that, you know, hopes to, you know, be a real contending team. Even if Logan Stanley is not an everyday defenseman for you, I mean, that's a pretty good guy to have as your six, seven that could go in, play a particular role at times um, and, and certainly do something that probably not a lot of a lot of the other Edmonton defensemen do. Like I put this to Dustin Nielsen off air before we did the lock shop. We were going to have him on, but he's flying this afternoon. And I hit him with the same that's the same topic. And I said, listen, you know, you guys are if the, what we're hearing is right, and they're looking for a mid round pick for Puljuari, wouldn't this make more sense? Yeah. And he said, I'll jump at that in, in a second. I mean, again, you two point one million dollars of cap savings and a versatile a player that again. What if he, there's a lot of people that believe Logan Stanley still has a pretty high upside. If you can achieve that and you were willing to trade this guy that was a fourth overall pick for a third or second rounder. I mean, anyways, I I wanted to get your take on that because um, this all goes back to the theory that what makes the most sense for the Winnipeg Jets is to trade a defenseman and get a forward and maybe sweeten the pot by taking on a little bit more salary to help their club right now. And, And again, if it's not going to happen with some more expensive players, maybe we do it with some younger, cheaper players. And as I said, I mean, I would love to see Piarvi get a shot here in Winnipeg because I think we don't have, the Jets don't have the depth right now that would make it tough for him to come in and have a real legitimate opportunity to establish himself. And there's a reason why this guy was picked as high as he has been and has been relatively productive at times. I think it would be worth a shot.
3: Yeah. Well, and at that point, Chevy is like what one, one Infinity stone away from completing the gauntlet of the <laughs> the, t- the twenty sixteen draft, right? He'll, he'll have the top four all finished out. That is just a few more picks. Maybe side sign levy to a to a PTO or something. So, I yeah, I, I, I really I see no downside to that trade, and it only, again, even if you're a Logan Stanley fan, he's likely to start the season as a seventh defenseman. If you can get a middle six forward for your seventh defenseman, I do that trade all day in a heartbeat. It, it doesn't moving Logan Stanley out doesn't make the jets worse, but then bringing in somebody like a pull who can give you 30, 40 points. It's, it's a, it's a massive, massive win if it's there for them.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. Again, uh, you know, I know we've been talking about this sort of concept of a deal for the last couple of days, but if you missed that, you want to get in uh, on the comments uh, in the YouTube chat, hit us up uh, with your thoughts on it. Um, Hey, before we go, what do you think about this game tonight? Mahomes, Herbert, primetime, Arrowhead, home opener. Um, it's going to be
3: awesome. It's going to be so wicked. It's going to be so awesome. I, I mean, seeing what both those guys did in, in week one, and we were kind of joking about this um, before we came on, but, um, you know, Patrick Mahomes isn't isn't dead. He, he's he's off the scrap heap. He's, he's still got a little bit of game left
1: uh <laughs> rumors of his demise were yeah. greatly exaggerated by some of the dumbest people in sports media going yeah. into
3: the season may yeah yeah like maybe a 24 year old that's you know been to a couple super bowls and a couple afc title games still is gonna find a way to figure it out even though tyreek hill's gone um i'm, I'm fat to, to me this game means more for for the chargers than it does for for kansas city i think um i really have no concerns about kansas city as a team going going far or you know, winning 11 or 12 games or anything like that. But, like, for the Chargers, this is the year. And Herbert's shown that he's more than capable of carrying the load. It's not even necessarily him. But it's going to be, can the defense find a way to to slow down Patrick Mahomes? And can and the offense get it going without Keenan Allen? That's a brutal, brutal loss. I mean, <laughs> arguably the worst the worst thing that could happen to their offense heading into this game because of everything that he does for for Herbert right in the middle of the field there. Um, I'm, I'm a little surprised the line is is where it is. I think it was four and a half the last time I saw. It's four um, right now. Four right now. That's a tough one. I, I don't even think I'm going to uh, tangle with that one. I just, I love both teams. I love both quarterbacks. I just like, give me 38 35 coming down to the last 10 seconds. That's all I'm looking for.
1: Yeah. Take the over folks. I was saying to Dusty on the lock shop, how high would this number have to get to consider taking the under on this game? It starts with a six. I'll tell you 85. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Love it. Brandon Uh, have fill people in on uh, what's coming up with camp right around the corner over at skates and plates.
3: Yeah. So skates and plates, new episode coming out tomorrow. And then again uh, on Tuesday and yeah, I mean, training camps, right around the corner here. So we'll we'll talk about that. I mean, next Friday's episode is going to be all about what went on behind the mic there. Um and then we'll also do one of my favorite um episodes before the season starts, the bold prediction episode where I mean, we might get one or two of them right out of 32, but it's a ton of fun. See what happens. Maybe we, we we pick something crazy to happen. Last year, I thought Neil Pionk would be an all-star for the Winnipeg Jets. Just a little bit off on that one, but we'll have some fun with that coming up here. <laughs> hey,
1: you're one year off, baby. One year there off. There we go. <laughs> bonus for coach of the year. How about that? That, that, that could work. Yeah, throw, I, that, last... throw that in for my, uh, my uh, thing. That's my optimistic hope for a bold take because, you know, if he wins the coach of the year, there's been a big turnaround here in the peg. I'll look forward to it and can't wait to chat with you next week with the fellows on the ice.
3: Beauty. Have a great weekend, man.
1: <laughs> you got it. There's Brandon Rawicki. Uh follow and uh skates and plates and download wherever you get your podcast. All right. We're gonna go from one to the other. <clears throat> I'm gonna ha- I should have worn a hat today because our two favorite guests with the best hair are going back to back. And Rawiki was going one way today. Mo's going the other way. MoCon coming up right away. Before we do that, though, I have to thank Nick and Nikki DQ for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. It was great to have Nick on on Tuesday with this full rundown of Burger Week here in Manitoba. They've got some amazing burgers at DQ. The Stack Burgers right now, the most underrated burger in the fast food game. And maybe it's because the Blizzards get all the headlines, but there's a good reason for that as well. Pop down and get your fill on at the Nick and Nicky DQ at one of four locations. The DQ in Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. And hit them up on instagram as well at dq manitoba if you want to order a custom dq ice cream cake for an event to pick up quick and easy at any of the four nick and Nicky dqs and <clears throat> hey with this big game on tonight maybe start the weekend early and uh you can make the night even better with a few of winnipeg's favorite local beers little brown jug the iconic 1919 and all the incredible little brown jug offerings are available down at the tap room and brewery on william avenue along with that gorgeous patio that hosted our first Winnipeg Sports Talk Sports Trivia Night a couple weeks ago. And if you're not making it downtown, you can pick up the great taste of Little Brown Jug at your local beer store or order online at littlebrownjug.ca for home delivery. And of course, tough night at Cineboy Downs last night. <clears throat> we were not able to. Cash any tickets because the card was canceled due to a lighting malfunction. See what that means for the rest of the season. There's still four or five days left of live racing. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 885-3330 to make a reservation in the Terrace Dining Room. And Remo and I will be back making picks on Monday. ASDowns.com. And of course, you can bet on the track here in Winnipeg. Tracks around the world at HPIBet.com. All right. As I mentioned, from one great lid to another, the always well-dressed supporting our Canadian soccer team heading to the World Cup. Mo Khan of TSN 690 in Montreal joins us now. Mo, man, what's up? It's great to have you back (laughs) in the program. It's been a minute.
0: It has been. You know, Andrew, I actually had bronchitis back in early August. So I was on the DL for a while of conversing. So I'm better now. I do have some hiccups of coughing here and there. I pray to the coffin gods that won't happen now during this epic segment that we'll have coming up right now.
1: Yeah, you know it. Um, listen, I want to talk some CFL with you as well, some soccer. But, I mean, I just hit it with Brandon. I'm having a hard time thinking and concentrating about anything else. Thoughts on this tilt tonight to get week two going in the NFL with the Chiefs and Chargers?
0: Well, I feel bad for the American viewers because a lot of people don't have Amazon Prime, right? So a lot <laughs> of people are going to miss this epic fight with LA and, K- and KC. And, and I think the key in this game, and... Coming into the year, I still believe KC was the team to beat in the ASU, them and Buffalo. And now for LA, they this is the defense that they built up to beat Patrick Mahomes. You're bringing JC Jackson, Khalil Mack, who had a monster game on Sunday against the Raiders, uh, Sebastian Joseph, Davis Shore up the running game, or the run defense, that is. This is now their chance to prove a point that they can lock down Patrick Mahomes on this critical matchup. Because if they don't, those questions are going to pop up about L.A. Are they the team that is a bunch of pretenders? Uh, what happens with Brett, with with Coach Staley and, and his job? Because people question him at the end of the year for what he couldn't do against the Raiders in Week 18. And should they bring in Sean Payton at some point? So I just think this is a big statement game for the Chargers. And whereas for KC, look, Andrew, you're a big fan of the Chiefs. They know what they have to do, win and continue on here. And they got that chip on their shoulder, given that they blew that 18-point lead last year to the Bengals. And want to prove a point that they're still a team to beat in the AFC.
1: Yeah, well, I I, I joked that it was going to be a, a scorched earth revenge tour for uh, Mahomes this year. It, it certainly be. looked that way <laughs> in the game number one. And for anybody with MVP futures, this game could be everything when it comes to that. One of these two guys is going to come out of this game at two and zero, having a big head to head win against one of the other favorites, and that could definitely shape much of the narrative we'll be hearing for the next little while until one of them has a bad game, but pretty much incredible quarterback matchup that we will see tonight. Um, Just quickly before we move on from the National Football League, um, you know, it was just week one, just the start of the season, and yet the Cowboys season seems to almost be over before it started. I mean, putting up three at home, Mike McCarthy sitting there going, what's going on, and then losing Dak Prescott for what could be six to eight weeks, although Jerry Jones does not want to admit that and is not putting him on IR. I mean, what do you make of the mess in Dallas after only 60 minutes of football?
0: It's an unending, unending river of diarrhea for the Cowboys. That's what Good. they are right now. And and now moving towards week two with what they have. And the schedule is supposed to get easier with the Giants and commanders on, on deck. Then they got they think this, the Rams coming up in week five, week six, whatever it is. They have to figure out what they got to do with this quarterback position because if they believe Cooper Rush is the guy, you stick with them. But if you don't think he's the guy, you have to go out and get yourself a quarterback that's going to keep the seat warm for Dak Prescott when he comes back. But that's, there's some bigger issues than, than Dak. That O-line has not played well. They've been banged up. We know about the fact that Tyron Smith is out for pretty much the year, putting a rookie at left tackle. Uh, they do not the same dominant front five as they once did. And I think now moving towards the rest of the season, if they can't get that running game, essentially established in football games with Pollard and Zeke Elliott. This could be one of those situations where the Cowboys might end up being what they were two years ago and be probably six and 11, whatever seven and whatever 10 team that might be for them this season. So a lot more questions, I think, for the O-line. And also I want to see this defense play well because they did not do that against the Bucks on Sunday Night Football where they got bludgeoned by that running game for the Tampa offense with Tom Brady and, of course, Leonard Fournette.
1: Hey, I want to ask you about a Monday night matchup between two 1-0 teams. Um, The Eagles, you know, look good, although Detroit stormed back for uh, the big backdoor cover in the fourth quarter in the first game. And uh, the Vikings handled the Packers, and every time I looked over, I was watching the Chiefs game, but I looked over, and every time I looked at the screen, Aaron Rodgers was looking angrier and angrier as young receivers. Oh, by the way, Devontae Adams went for 140 and like a dozen catches in that game but um, thoughts on the Eagles and Vikings going into that Monday nighter
0: Uh, a fascinating battle because you look at Jalen Hurts and what he has for firepower to work with and you look at Kirk Cousins what he has to work with and this could and for the gamblers out there this could be on the oversight in terms of what they can do for points for for both teams here what I'm intrigued by in this matchup is that Viking defense because now they're going to a a 4-3 front again and, and trying to work that through, and how they have some guys like Darius Smith out there to be a pass rusher. Can they get the Hurts? Can they contain Jalen Hurts in this football game and make him one-dimensional? If you take away his legs, Andrew, it could really stymie this Eagles offense, even though they have a really good ground game and a pretty good, potent pass catcher mm-hmm. to work with. So I think the fascination of that Viking defense and what they do on Monday Night Football will be key in why they could win this game against the Eagles.
1: Uh, Mo, training camps are opening up around the league. It's been a very interesting off-season for the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, uh, it's been quiet here in Winnipeg. We were just talking about some of the young players and the first-rounders that are going out to Penticton to, um, you know, cut their teeth before going into main camp next week. Um, It was all about the draft, the Slovaks that were taken by the Montreal Canadiens. What's the buzz around a team that was in the Cup Final one year, was the worst team in the league the next year, where are they going into this season, and what are the expectations
0: around Montreal? Uh, Temperate expectations for a win-loss record, high expectations for Yudai Slavkovsky for what he can do. Um, he was weighed in today or yesterday in Buffalo, or before they went to Buffalo for the rookie camp down in, in upstate New York. He was weighed in, he weighed in, I think, at 225 at the draft combine. Today, Andrew, he's at 238. Big boy. And, and, peop- and he carries it well, and that's what people have been saying, that he carries it well. And you wonder, given that he's only 18 years old, he's going to get bigger, stronger mentally and physically. Can he uphold that? I think he realizes that if he's going to be playing for the big club and play all 82 games during the regular season, that he has to make sure he can withstand the rigors of what that schedule will be like. So that's going to be the key going to, into training camp in Brossard in Montreal when they have that coming up next week. How does Slopkowski adapt to the NHL level? Because remember, Andrew, This is a guy that wasn't really on the draft radar to be the first overall pick, first-round pick for sure, but no one knew where he would go. And he had that that ascension where he came up the ranks so quickly, the Olympics, the the, the World Hockey Championships, uh, impressing in the combine interviews that Kent Hughes, Jeff Gorton, and the entire management team believed in what he said, that he's mature beyond his years. And now we'll get to see what he is as a potential foundation piece with him, Nick Suzuki, and other young guys coming up through the pipeline. So this team, we know from a win-loss record, will not be competitive. But from the fascination of growing and, and cultivating the prospects is what fans are really excited about going to this season under Marte St. Louis and, of course, Ken Hughes the GM.
1: Mo, well, I was sort of caught off guard that they uh, went and named Nick Suzuki the captain um, this early in his career.
0: Were you? Not really, because you know, even conversing with Nick um, in his first two years in the NHL, he has that demeanor that he can really control the locker room, understand the pulse of a team, and he has that that confidence, that flow to him, Andrew. That you say, yeah, he can definitely be a leader of a franchise. And look, it, it's not uncommon. You think about it in Ottawa with Kachuk, uh, Detroit when they made Dylan Larkin the captain a few years ago. That you, you want to kind of want to see where that player is going to be in the reaction to being in the firestorm of being the face of the franchise. And they believe that Suzuki, given he got the new contract from the team, uh, could be the face of the franchise. And, and now moving forward, the biggest question, of course, because in Quebec, it's the elections coming up in a few weeks. The political farsome came about. Can he speak French? Well, he's learning. And I think in this province, if he tries and gives an effort of conversing in French, they'll appreciate that from Nick Suzuki. And I think most importantly, though, they want to appreciate what he can do on the ice if he can be that foundation piece with Slavkowski moving forward. How big of a deal is that in Montreal? Like,
1: What percentage of the fans care if Nick Suzuki is completely fluent in French?
0: Well, I don't want to get into too much of the language arts debate because it's such a it's such a deep-rooted uh, yeah, topic true. in this province for many eons, right? But th- there is that pride again <laughs> from the Francophone community. There's that pride of having someone be from here and be the face of the franchise. But if you're coming in here, again, as I said, you don't have to be fluent. But as long as you embrace the culture, you can say a few words in French they'll appreciate the effort. I just think it's more of the old-school hardliners that we have in the political uh, spectrum of Quebec that are kind of saying, well, no, he's got to learn French and, and be the face of the franchise. If that's the case, he's got to speak this language to perfection. But in reality, those guys aren't sports guys. They're just politicians trying to you know, uh, rev up the votes in their favor going towards October 3rd in Quebec. So I just think from his perspective, as long as he, he understands the culture and can say a few words in French, they'll appreciate that moving towards however long he's in Montreal for the next 10 years.
1: Mo Kahn's with us from uh, 690 in Montreal. Mo, you're wearing a uh, Canada. What is it? A Q zip today for our for our Canadian the men's it. national it's a, it's a
0: team. A little, little chilly in Montreal, Andrew. I don't know what's like in Winnipeg today, but uh, this would be perfect weather for golfing in the uh, in the UK area if you're going to the Open out there.
1: Football weather. Uh, you did have some uniform breaking news. I know Remus always likes this. Uh, is is Canada the only team in the World Cup that's not getting new jerseys for this event?
0: So I was told back in the spring from someone, from a few people in the business, uh, that they weren't expected to have a kit come out for November. And the reason there's a whole backstory to the to this, but I couldn't confirm it totally. But essentially, because the World Cup is being done in November, and not the traditional summer months of June and July. Um, that kind of stagnated the whole process of, of pr- production for certain companies or certain countries out there. And unfortunately for Canada, uh, they fell into that bracket where they were kind of caught in the middle of, well, do we do it? Do we not do it? And so they made a decision, I believe, back in late of last year to stick with their current look moving forward. And that's what they're going to have for the World Cup this year. But they'll have a new kit, I believe, in 2023 that will be there for two years. And they'll do, they'll do a two-year rotation and keep that rolling towards 2026.
1: Well, the countdown to Qatar is on. It's been pretty quiet around the uh, the team. What uh I know, you're on the pulse of uh, our men's national team as uh, much as anyone. We're getting into September right now. World Cup, yeah. late November is such a weird time. But uh what's the latest on uh, John Herbin and the squad?
0: Well, they're gonna they have some friendlies coming up. Uh, th- that's gonna be key for them because that'll be the last a couple of games that Herman will have to assess what he has available to the roster allocation of what they'll do for the final roster in early November when they finalize that team. So this is his last chance to see these guys up close. And the key now, Andrew, moving towards World Cup in in mid-November, is that you pray to the soccer gods, no one suffers any serious injuries because that really puts a wrench in the whole process because guys might be out for the next four or five weeks that might be available but may not be too healthy enough to go to Qatar – so that's going to be key for all the countries going to Qatar is the health of their players, and for John Herman, given that again, the, the pool of talent starting to grow from a from a from a prospect perspective here, but from the ready-made guys, he's got to hope his top hitters are not going to get banged up before World Cup hits in mid November.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Mo with us, uh, Mo. Before we go, and I always love our visits because we can just go around the horn. Uh, we haven't even talked about Roger Federer, although we did that with John Horn a little. While. A huge loss for the world of sports. But I cannot have you on without talking about a little CFL football. See the number the bomb <laughs> see the number the Bombers did on uh, their arch rivals, the Riders, last week in the Banjo Bowl. Twelve and one. Alouettes were the one team that beat them in ridiculous circumstances, yeah. shall we say? Can anyone stop the Winnipeg Blue Bombers?
0: Um, I, I, let's go through a little history. If you remember, in '97, the Edmonton uh, football team, the you know the old name that they had, the Alks, now. If you remember, they were running through the West Division, and they were supposed to host a great cup in the backyard against the Argonauts, and they got upset by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. We've seen it before, right, where you go six yeah. it two, whatever it is, and lose in the West or East Final. I, I think the Bombers do have some issues, though. I- I, this, this, the starts that they have to football games, they're sort of like a boxer where they're not looking for the knockout punch. And they kind of let teams hang around a little bit here. And they play the rope-a-dope. And if you notice in the second half, they blow away teams and knock them out. I want to see them have better starts than before because that West division is a lot tougher than being a crossover team going through the East if you want to get to the Great Cup in, in late November, Andrew. But I do like the Bombers' chances because, again, BC with no quarterback, Calgary with what they have with mayor Is he going to be the guy for them if Bolivar's not you know, the guy for them? I, I think those teams have issues. But if you are a betting man right now, i definitely put money on the Bombers' Maybe not the best of the past two Great Cup winning teams here, but definitely a team, a team that can go very far in the playoffs and maybe win another Great Cup for the third year in a row.
1: Yeah, I mean to me, uh, listen, I mean I think the Bombers are clearly the best team in the league, and they've shown that, beaten everybody, and they're twelve and Absolutely. one right now. It, it does. I, I, there is an element of nervousness knowing that in all likelihood it'll be Calgary coming in here, and man, it's tough to beat the same team four times in a season. The Bombers are already three and zero against Calgary, and. Calgary has been close in these games and will get one more shot. But then when you look at what the bombers have done over the last three years was just simply winning consistently and beating everybody pretty hard to go against them before we go, though, Alouette's cast off Vernon Adams, Jr. back in B.C., um, can he salvage the season for the Lions? And and, and, I mean, they're going to get a chance to go up against Calgary. I think Calgary's obviously I, I think Calgary is a seven point favorite for a reason this week. But come playoff time, I mean, how good can Vernon Adams be in that BC offense? And with Vernon Adams, can they be? Can they challenge Calgary for a shot at the at the champs in the West final?
0: For every incompletion and every turnover the BC Lions have had, Nathan Rourke's adding another zero to that contract that oh, he will get from the BC it, Lions, right? Nuts. But but for Vernon Adams Jr. Washington play, and again, he had a very small prep week to, to face the Alouettes with Pipkin, who's not a quarterback. I think that's a starting caliber for the CFL. For Vernon Adams Jr., the question for Rick Campbell is, can he play to his strengths, which is allow him to improvise in the pocket, buy himself time, and create plays on, on, on the run. If you put him in a structure where you, you're going to ask him to throw 50-plus times, that's not his game. So they need to get a strong running game from the, from the BC Lions uh, ground attack, but I think the Lions have probably one of the best receiving cores in the league. And all VA's got to do is just put it there and let the Catoys and let the Burnhams of the Worlds and the Lucky Whiteheads of the Worlds catch that football and create the yak for them to get first downs and more. So keep it simple for VA. I think he'll make this team competitive. But, man, this CFL lost Nathan Rourke. I lost out to watch him in person last week for TSN doing stats for for the broadcast. And if he was there, Andrew, I think the Nathan Rourke uh, mania would have been a lot more different for the Lions Maybe we're talking about them competing with the Bombers for the one spot, then 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 try to compete with these or Calgary now for the number two spot in the playoff race. No doubt
1: about it, uh, Mo. Great stuff. What's keeping you busy right now? I know you were doing a ton of play play by play throughout the last couple of months. Uh, it just uh, does the list keep growing as we get into the busy uh, fall and winter?
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll tease your listeners and, and viewers, but uh, there will be an announcement coming up in the next a uh, week or so, ten days. I can't say what it is yet. Maybe I'll text you afterwards, but uh, I will announce in the next 10 days some uh, new projects on the horizon, which I'm looking forward to, and uh, a lot of play-by-play right now for the university and stage-up ranks as well. Uh, CEBL, look, they're expanding. They went to Vancouver officially as a rebrand. Calgary got a team. We need a team. (laughs) I think Winnipeg is on the docket. I don't know when, Andrew, but I think in the next two years we'll see a team in Winnipeg. That natural uh, geo-rivalry with Saskatchewan will be fun to watch if and when Winnipeg gets a team in the CEBL in the next couple of years, I think. Oh,
1: man, I think back to the old days of the the Winnipeg Thunder, first of all, and the way they were supported. And the sports market is very different right now. Uh, But basketball has exploded. There is so much participation uh, in the city right now at a grassroots level. And obviously, I think the popularity of basketball overall in Canada is light years ahead of where it was in the late 90s and early 2000s. So... Makes a lot of sense. The biggest thing right now is, you know, between the jets and the moose and the ice and, uh, you know, there's just a building availability where this thing could happen, but I would love to see it. And we'll certainly be behind it if it does happen some point soon. Mo, great stuff as always. You be well, my friend. It was great to have you back on the program. And uh, let's do this again soon.
0: Absolutely. Hopefully my bronchitis is now over and I can converse properly without coughing in between sentences moving forward. Looking good. Sounding good, my friend, as always. Nice, my dude.
1: Thanks, my you man. Did. There it is, at Mocon19. That's our good friend Mocon in Montreal, and you can follow him, as I said, Mocon19, and check out his work as well along over at TSN 690. Yes, I like Jay Miller. Bring back the thunder. Man, I had so much fun at those games back in the day. JJ Eubanks, Joey Vickery. Uh, those are some good times, and I can tell you straight up, there is a basketball community here that I think would be all over competing against teams across Canada in the CEBL and hopefully that is to come doesn't sound like it's this upcoming season but certainly in a year or two it would be great uh, to be part of that all right let's get Remus back in here we had to leave some time because this is going to seem like a bit of a throwback to the warm-up because we've got some hilarious stories to get to before the end of the show Uh, I do, though, want to give first off, this is not funny, but this is a great award to a great guy that does an incredible job, and that is Steve Schuster, the play-by-play voice of the Winnipeg Goldeyes, filled the massive shoes of Paul Edmonds and has been doing it ever since. And Steve Schuster was named the Broadcaster of the Year uh, today through the American Association. Um, You know, he is, uh, listen, Steve does... Is a real student of the game, adds an incredible level of uh, analysis as well. And there's something to be said, Remus, I'm sure you can agree about guys, and Paul would be the first one to tell you, sitting in that booth by yourself for 100 games over the season, telling stories and taking people through the action via radio is a special talent, especially for the guys who do it in a one-man booth.
2: Oh, yeah, that is a tough job there, the travel of the road. Um, I do enjoy Steve's work on Twitter as well, so congratulations to Steve. And you were wondering, you know, when Paul left, like how could you get someone to fill those shoes? And he's done a, a really awesome job. So huge congrats to Steve Schuster, named broadcaster of the year. All right, listen. Before we get to this
1: uh, chess controversy, as it were, as well as uh, an incredible, spectacular social media fail from last night that got all, Blue Jays fans everywhere all riled up. Let's get to the cool bet lines for tonight. Um, Dustin Nielsen will be firing out his uh, daily pick from the lock shop very soon. You can get that on my social media feed as well as today's lock shop. We did about 20 minutes focusing in on this game with our legs. We're going head to head. I'm obviously on the Chiefs. He's on the Chargers on the spread right now, which is, I believe, still four points. Uh, Yeah, plus four, minus four, and minus 104 on either side. To be honest, I don't mind... Getting a half point here and getting the minus three and a half at minus 120. And I'll say the same thing about the total right now. Over under on this game is 54. And I did joke they it would have to be 65 to even consider taking the under. Brandon went with 85. Um, but that hook, that, that that half point between 53 and a half and 54 is significant. Um, so I think when I was making my wagers in the lock shop earlier, I went with the minus 114. For over 53 and a half. Um, There's all sorts of props. And we talked about many of them on the lock shop. One that I particularly like. Go figure. Patrick Mahomes. Over two and a half touchdowns. I'll probably be making that wager every game. All season long. uh, But it's plus money on that. Plus 108 for over two and a half touchdowns. But if you go to the Cool Bet specials for you Cool Betters out there. I basically last night was putting together a bet builder Talk to uh, my guys, Pat and Jake, and we've got a uh, Hustler-made exclusive for tonight's game at a pretty juicy number, just about 10 to 1, plus 975. Here's how it lays out. Over Over 53 and a half. That was that number. We're getting the extra half point. So over 53 and a half, and Chiefs win. They don't have to cover the number, just a Chiefs win. Um, I think there's going to be fireworks in this game. I think both quarterbacks are going to have big nights. I've got Patrick Mahomes at three or more touchdowns. That was the prop at plus 108 I was mentioning. And Justin Herbert to throw two or more touchdowns in the game. And we've also added in two receivers. Mike Williams over 59 and a half. No Keenan Allen. I think he gets targeted all night long. I think this one maybe is as sure of going over as anything in this or frankly on the board tonight. And I do like MVS, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, to have a bigger game. He was very quiet in the first game. And the one thing I think Andy Reid has said, Patrick Mahomes has said, is that this ball is going to be spread around this year. And while Travis Kelsey and Juju Smith-Schuster might very well be taking the priority for the Chargers defense, I think that's going to allow MVS to go and have a big first home game as a chief at Arrowhead Stadium. So we've got him in at over 39 and a half yards. So to recap, Chiefs to win, over 53 and a half, three or more passing touchdowns for Mahomes, two or more for Herbert, and then over 59 and a half on Mike Williams, and MVS over 39. That is now up to 975. And as you see it Hustlers Exclusive there and the Cool Bet Exclusives, if you've never played a Cool Bet before, Use the promo code WST on your first deposit. To get a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your deposit at CoolBet. Enjoy the game tonight. It should be incredible. Remo, I haven't asked you what your thoughts on tonight are. Uh, over under, uh, you got a side at minus four. Just a money line win, a
2: fantasy pick. What, uh, what do you got for us? Yeah, it seems like, um, jo- yeah, well, Keenan Allen is out. I see a lot of people mentioning that chat but i i think josh palmer gonna be the beneficiary of uh of him being out so i don't know if you want to throw down trying to pull up the uh dusty had him in
1: the lock shop to get into the end zone i believe two to one plus 200 on a josh palmer
2: touchdown forgot that he was canadian he's canadian yeah he's canadian as well so i i would be in in for that so i'll i'll go that i'm looking at some over unders yeah he's 45 might be might be high, but sure, you want to do a little touchdown score? I mean, Justin Herbert over 283 yards. If you think you know they're going to be down and this is a shooter, this is a guy who could throw for a ton of yards. I think they're both, they're both going to have to. I mean, think about these games. I think you're going to see them go for on fourth down quite a bit.
1: I think both coaches are going to be uber aggressive. And I think that's why we're in for a real treat tonight on Thursday Night Football. And yes, Canadian fans... The game is on TSN, Amazon Prime. I I wonder if like I have Amazon Prime, could I also watch it on Amazon Prime, Remus, or uh, is it not available in
2: Canada because TSN has the rights? I don't know actually. I didn't really think about that. Once I heard it was on TSN, I was great. Like I'm Prime as as well. Um, do they have st- have it on there? I don't. I don't know. I got, are we getting the the Al Michaels broadcast just like on on um, TSN? I, I think that's what it's gonna be
1: yeah I, well, no, I, 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 it will be it will be that and uh, well we'll report tomorrow and let you well, know because we both have it um and the, it's funny the only you know me I don't watch movies really ever and almost no shows outside of sports and news and that sort of thing the one service that I do have is Amazon because when we started this you sold me on how good Amazon Prime was and so I, I do watch the odd thing on uh, on Amazon Prime or like the music as well it's a pretty cool a pretty cool service and that was before they had the chiefs and chargers on thursday night football so enjoy the game tonight uh but let's get to it um you know we'll save the, the chess story for a minute because l- let's talk about that the self-own the ratio and the cancellation because we haven't talked blue jays um big win for the jays last night having a great great series against the tampa bay rays and after last night's win The Jays find themselves in second place in the AL and you know, funny, only six games back of the New York Yankees who just have not been playing very well overall, but have won eight of their last 10 after a real blip after just an absolutely rocket start to the season. So the Jays up a game and a half on the Rays and five and a half games on the Baltimore Orioles. But um, Remo, the big story last night was a, uh, tweet and I didn't want to bring this up with Mo because I think he may have actually worked with, uh, with Matthew Words at 690 in the past and has done some work with him. So I didn't want to put him in a bad situation, but this guy, Matthew Ross decided that he was going to make himself the central figure on Twitter. Quote, tweeting a Sportsnet piece of the Alejandro Kirk, um, scoring from first place on a double. Which was an amazing. Was an, I mean, Alejandro Kirk is a hot water tank um, that is a hitting machine, and he was started in the All Star game this year. He's had this amazing, amazing season, and an amazing career. Um, he's a special player, but he doesn't look like a lot of other guys. And essentially, Matthew Ross, I don't know if you have it up. You want to get it? I'll, Reem, br- but I'll he bring it up. Basically, said that you know I believe you referred to it's cute and all, but. This is embarrassing for baseball to be putting out a player like that. Now, I don't know where the hell he's been. I mean, we've had Bartolo Colon, uh, Big Poppy. I mean, going back to John Crook with the Phillies. I mean, there are some guys that don't look like your prototypical athletes that are amazing baseball players. To me, that's good for the game. Um, he, anyways, he took this stand that this was embarrassing for baseball and bad for the game, and Jay's pitcher... Alec Manoa was having none of it and quote tweeted it and basically took this guy down, said, you know what, you know, if you're uh, you're telling the kids that are eight and 10 years old that they should go. Here it is. What's actually embarrassing for the sport is people that go by the name of Matthew, which was a dig, obviously he wasn't happy and have never played a day in the big leagues thinking they control the narrative and stereotype. Go and tell that eight-year-old kid who's 10 pounds overweight that he should quit now, um, and then continued on uh, to say what a hell of a player Manoa is. And, and then Ross actually doubled down on his take that it was embarrassing for the sport. Um, and Manoa said, step aside and let the flip from the keyboard and let Kirk inspire those kids to continue to chase those dreams and chase greatness. And in some of his infinite wisdom this Matthew dude decided to say that, you know, Manoa was somehow, you know, m- m- you know, misinforming people and twisting his words of what he said. Um, I have never seen a worse ratio in the history of Twitter, Remus. There was a couple of tweets by him that had over 200 comments and literally zero likes. Uh, there's nothing that, brought the Jays fan base together even more than the game than this little Twitter spat. But what was interesting was that the guy that seemed to be trying to, you know, kind of make himself the story with this hot take by the end of the night had deleted his Twitter, his Instagram, his Facebook. And for a guy in the media, that is a a major step to take, especially after it being completely self-inflicted.
2: Yeah, I was kind of disappointed to see him tweet that. I, I had him on 1290. He's fellow member of the tribe. I know he's done some work in the community in Montreal as well. For him to tweet out that um, Alejandro Kirk was embarrassing, really disappointing. And you can't go on Twitter and body shame anyone. He's clearly an elite athlete, hitting a baseball, maybe the hardest thing to do for a regular person. In sports, like you could go out in hockey and like, you know, take a glide around and you'd be still be on. But like stepping into the batter's box as a regular guy, going up against hundred plus mile an hour heat, like you can't do that. Regular, that's that's nearly impossible. So, um rightfully so, got ratioed and Alc I mean, Alec Manoa saw it and he wasn't having that and threw down, and everyone went after him. I was kind of disappointed that he deleted his account. I mean, own up, say you made a mistake. Yeah, I think deleting it. I think deleting it makes you look worse. So, well, and and
1: there was a way out afterwards. I mean, he could have, especially after getting burned by Manoa, he said, you know, he could have taken it back. He could have apologized, said that it came out the wrong way. No, doubled down on it and made himself the victim, and that just got people even more fired up. And it was going to end badly. You knew it the first time you saw that tweet was that he was walking into a hornet's nest. And unwillingly put himself as the as the target of everyone. And we always say, Remo, every day, just wake up, try not to be the main character on Twitter. And unfortunately, Matthew Ross made himself the main character on Twitter and ended up, ironically, somewhat canceling himself from social media. And I'm sort of with you. I do feel for the guy because um it's obviously really impacted him. And you know, going forward to you know, erase everything that he has. Internet wise is uh is a pretty pretty big move for a guy that I believe is still working somewhat in the media.
2: Yeah, um I'm not sure I don't know if he's doing like full time sports now, but I mean he's on Twitter and look, you're gonna put stuff out there, you gotta be prepared. And you know, some people, I'm not saying necessarily him, but some people like to put out every single thought that they have, and um I don't think not a good idea. <laughs> I don't think that's a good idea. I think you got to take some time to think about it. And If you're gonna body shame professional athlete and then a, a guy on that, you know, member of uh, one of his teammates starts coming after you, um, maybe it's time to admit you made a mistake. And Stonewall Dave says in chat, uh, the hardest thing to do on Twitter is realize you're being the jerk and admit. I'm like, well, I don't think it's hard. You just realize that you are and admit it. But he says, "Take the L." Yeah. Well, I don't when think your deleting, inbox you're is
1: full of uh, five hundred angry people saying, "What the hell are you talking about?" It might be a moment to take in the winter. So, a very cautionary tale last night for bad takes
2: on Twitter. That I don't think that was a bad. I think that was like offensive to um, people who were different body types. I don't. I don't think it was was a bad take too. But it was also I was triggered.
1: Like, I was triggered. I mean, listen, Al, uh, Alejandro Kirk is a hero of many. Of us chunkier dudes that have been throughout. And to be honest, it's great for baseball. It's the stupidest thing. Like, you think that we're talking about this if he wasn't 5'8, 240 and doing what he's doing right now? Well, he wasn't all People love too. Bartolo Cologne. He started the freaking all star game. Kung Fu Panda, I saw Cabillas K- popping in there. I mean, listen, to me, it, it, guys like that that are performing at the level Alejandro Kirk is are amazing for the game and this was just an absolute whiff and miss and sometimes as the people in chat have said take your l sit down and live to play another day and unfortunately for uh, matthew words that did not happen now room i've got to get to this story i tweeted this out yesterday yesterday night uh <laughs> i did not expect this chess controversy to come across my timeline and it might be the most ridiculous headline I think I can ever remember. It reads this. Chess Grandmaster denies using anal beads to beat world number one, Magnus Carlsen. Um, a chess Grandmaster has responded to bizarre claims that he used anal beads to beat world number one, Magnus Carlson. The world champion, number 31, withdrew from the Siegfried Cup last week after an unexpected defeat to 19-year-old Hans Neiman, a relative newcomer to the world of professional uh, chess. Carlson announced his withdrawal from the tournament with a cryptic tweet, which included a video of football manager Jose Mourinho saying, if I speak, I am in big trouble. Uh, Now, Neiman has previously admitted to cheating in online chess tournaments, as a youngster, prompting fans to speculate whether the San Francisco born player beat Carson fairly. Here's where it gets interesting and bizarre, to say the least. A bizarre theory circulating online claims Neiman could have used an accomplice, computer assistance, and, vi- <laughs> and vibrating <laughs> anal beats to beat Carlson, who was on a two year unbeaten run before they're matched. Uh, and then fans on Twitter said things like "currently obsessed with the notion that Hans Needman has been cheating at the Chuck ch- Chess Tournament using wireless anal beads that vibrate him the correct moves." Um, Elon Musk also dived into it and had some takes before deleting those tweets on it. Um, listen, I'll be honest; I don't know much about the world of professional chess. Oh, I thought you
2: were going to say anal beads that you you do know about that. Well, that, that <laughs>
1: Uh, not really, and uh, I'm I'm not like I don't know what would have to like the amount of scientific ingenuity to put electric uh, electric vibrators in some sort of rigged up anal beads for an event like this. I think there'd be a lot into it, but then when you put a wild conspiracy theory out that happens after a shocking event like the world number one undefeated in two years losing to a relative unknown. Um, it gets a lot of run. And let me just say that people were enjoying
2: that last night and having a lot of fun with it on social media. People just like crazy theories. Remember when we were on here like a month ago saying, Oh, Tom Brady's gonna be on the mass singer. That's why that's why he uh was away. I was so there for that
1: one. I was I was the most guilty of it. I talked about it for two days and now we're finding out that as BSO, my guy Robert Latal said, Brady's basically been kicked out of the house because he wants to spend time with more time with Mike Evans than Giselle. Um, Giselle will be fine. I mean, she's obviously quite, uh, quite loaded. But yes, I don't believe the theories of Tom Brady being a missing training camp to be on The Masked Singer were true. I uh, certainly retract, although I was giddy about the possibility of it. Um, this one though is even more bizarre. Good for the world of professional chess, though I'm not sure. I doubt we'd be talking about the Sigfield Cup if this <laughs> conspiracy
2: theory was not floating out there. The Sigfield Cup, nice. Um, okay. I'm just trying to figure out the like the logistics, like how it would work with the buzzing and knowing. It sounds too far fetched to me. I want to believe so someone that it's is true. watching
1: it. Someone's watching it and they've got some supercomputer, which are really the only things that can match up against these grandmasters and you know the guy makes his move the computer thinking at you know some sort of crazy rate gives you the move and then you know it's like three three vibrates on the anal beads is the rook uh, maybe four <laughs> I mean Kay. I don't know there would be some sort of code that you would just feel on the beads that would tell you what move to make and then you beat the
2: world number 1 and shock the world does it have to i mean the guy um said that he had cheated previously in online um chess.com tournaments but like couldn't it be some other way to cheat that's does it have to be anal beads like can it be some other thing i don't i just seems well, like think i think, it, I think it seems the reason like for that is it could
1: be like it's internal you know like there's Are they nothing giving him a outward. pat down he said that he said that he'd be happy to play in in the nude in a in a vibrationless box or something like that afterwards although the damage has been done and he's not but we will stay on top of this if there's any further developments on the latest controversy in the world of professional chess we'll uh we'll, we'll, we'll get down to it we had to mention that for you um and Rio, before we go Can we talk about this Matt Ryan ball
2: that is going to the Pro Football Hall of Fame? This can't be real, can it? This has to be doctored. I saw this in my pop-up in my timeline. I'm like, oh, man, I I need to send this to Hustler. But then I saw the reason why it was on my timeline was that you had already (laughs) liked it. So in week one, Matt Ryan became the eighth quarterback in NFL history to reach 60,000 career passing yards. The ball that he passed to reach that milestone was number, here's a picture of the ball as I bring it up here, was number 283. Well, why is, you know, I looked at the numbers like 283. Wait a second. Yes. 283. 283. Yes, there it is. 283 on the ball. And yes, that is 28 to 3. The score the Atlanta Falcons <laughs> led over the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl with 2:12 left uh in the third. And they yes, they ended up losing in overtime to the Patriots. Um could they 20, not have uh, just made it 284 or something like that to avoid this dubious
1: tie? Crazy. Now now everything about this entire display will not be about the 60,000 yards. It'll be once again trolling Falcons fans for the biggest choke
2: job in Super Bowl history. I saw, okay, so the Falcons lost to the Saints over the weekend, and I saw a graphic where it oh, showed, like, all was... these. Did you see this thing? Yes. <laughs> okay, I got to find this, Um, where it was, like, all these games where the Falcons led by a lot with, you know, not a lot of time left and they lost like a ton of games i, well, I need and, to find and, and, and this the reason bracket? why
1: it was brought the reason why it was brought up is because the falcons were up 26-10 on the saints in week 1 and then all of a sudden Jameis winston goes off for 200 yards in the fourth quarter and they come back score two touchdowns get the ball back and win on a field goal and win 27 to 26 uh, oh, but here, yeah, here it is. This is old hat for the Falcons, dating all the way back to 28-3, and old habits die hard for this club more than maybe the rest of the NFL put
2: together. Okay, but it's not even the same team anymore. And here's the <laughs> graphic: so 28-3 in the Super Bowl, with 238 in the third. Okay, 559, they're beating San Diego. 559 in the fourth, beating San Diego 30 to 20, and they lost. They're beating the Dolphins, 17-0, with 12:50 left in the third. In a game, this is a crazy one. Leading 39-24 over the Cowboys with 4:57 left in the fourth quarter, and you lost that game. And then this one's even nuts too, 26-10 leading over the Bears with 6:22 in the fourth, and you lost. And then again, 24. Now some of these are like two scores with a lot of time. So I, don't, but the, there's a couple here that are silly. This Cowboys one. The Super Bowl one and this Bears one like leading with like yeah. five if you're leading by two scores five minutes left in the fourth quarter you can't close it out like repeatedly it's a hey. different team now though and different coach so different coaches different franchises is that, that, is that well, what it is listen
1: they, they uh there's there's something going on there and if it doesn't start with 28-3 this never is a conversation probably ever again but because it was, it then became the narrative that when they had all these other epic choke jobs, including the way they started week one without Matt Ryan with Marcus Mariota, uh, that will be a conversation. Um, anyways, fun way to finish the program. Um, you know, maybe we'll do the uniforms tomorrow. Yeah, I got gotta, we, yeah,
2: we got signings too. We never touched on. Uh... Uh, Some more PTOs, PTO Fest. There actually are. I'll say one PTO, because people had mentioned him in chat. Alex uh, Shiasan, forward, signed a PTO with the Coyotes, who were $20 million under the cap, but it's okay. (laughs) They're going to be making way more money this year with 5,000 fans than uh, than they were before with uh, less than that in the big arena, right? Uh, Derek Brassard and uh, Michael Delcoli, uh, PTOs in oh, Ottawa, yeah. Sean Dersey, two-year
1: extension in LA at 1.7 mil AAV. And it uh, sounds like this Jordan Cairo deal is done. Same money as Robert Thomas. There are two cogs going forward, 8 by 8. 65 million bucks. And uh,
2: Stars GM Jim Nil, a one-year extension, which is sort of an interesting number. That, that was earlier this week. The one storyline going on now. Um, I guess the NHL like superstars are in Vegas for a media tour. And um, John Maddish, senior NHL writer for The Score, just tweets out. Um, Nathan McKinnon says his extension with the Avalanche is pretty close. And he's hoping it'll get done soon. As far as AAV, it will be fair. Not going to be a single digit. Does that mean like a like a 9? So it's going to be over 9.9? I would assume that that would be that's
1: the, I guess the way that I that what read he means. That is, that is the way that, that that's the way I read. I read it. I guess we'll have to listen. Single to digit, it anyway. or
2: does he mean he's getting like one one? He's not
1: going to be getting paid eight bucks a year. Well, I think we know that. I I, I would have a feeling it's probably going to be eight figures on the AAV. And hey, I mean the guy's earned it, and he's been playing for the last six years at. Maybe the best value contract in the National Hockey League at six million bucks, so uh, or a 6.67, something like that. Um, hey, when you win the cup and you have the season that he had, you're gonna get paid. A lot of the other guys on that team, McCarr, uh, Rantanen, have already got their money. Um, the next guy to get it is Kayle, is uh, is Nate McKinnon. and is probably a little bit overdue. There's some back pay owed for uh everything that he's done with his incredible career for the Colorado Avalanche. All right, gang, that is gonna do it for us. We gotta get these podcasts up. Thanks so much for being with us. Enjoy the game tonight, and uh, we'll have a great show tomorrow. Get ready for Bombers Tie Cats. Ted Wyman's gonna jump on the show. Uh, much more on the Jets rookie camp and a look ahead to full training camp with Ken Weeb. A little NFL notebook with Hacksaw Lee Hamilton and uh, all the usual laughs here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, folks. Make sure you've hit the subscribe button and uh, give us the thumbs up on your way out if you haven't already. Tell a friend about WST where they can find us and make sure to join us tomorrow for a Friday edition, including the Marble Race, right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Have a great night. Oh my God! Oh, shut it! Down.